down to business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Coast. We get together, have a few laughs. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Anybody move out, blow your fucking head off. And the medic gets out and says, Oh my god. I'm your huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Bowling, this calls for the old Billy Barule. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Alright. There we go. Hello out there. It is Friday. It is 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And this is THT Movie Review. Welcome, everybody. And as usual, right across from me, I can see a picture of him. There he is. Anthony is with me. What's up, Anthony? What's going on, bro? What's going on, folks? Oh, man. It's been a long day, and this movie made it longer. <laughs> I mean, this is... <laughs> the movie we're about to do is far from a short movie. Um, but a good movie. A very, very good movie. I can't believe I haven't seen this one. Uh, we are we're, we're talking about the Wolf of Wall Street tonight. Uh, hadn't seen this movie. Uh, pretty true story. I actually saw an article um, actually called, uh, you know, how accurate is the Wolf of Wall Street? Pretty accurate. Stayed pretty true to the book that um, Jordan Belfort actually wrote. So it was pretty true, pretty true most of it. There were a few things they took some liberties with. Uh, one of the ending scenes, which we'll get to, um, Matthew McConaughey was way too good to play the, the character he did. But um, 
you know, you know, the just but most of the movie was 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 pretty true is what they're saying. Uh so yeah, just a few parts we'll get to those later, but um I thought this movie was fucking amazing, a 3-hour movie. Did not expect that. Um well, you know, it's directed by Martin Scorsese and he's known for those epics. I don't think I don't think he's ever done a movie that was under Two hours and thirty minutes. No, not probably, one. Probably not. Probably not. But uh, he's one of my favorite directors, so I, I I'm not mad at him. This is this movie. I don't know. This is like Goodfellas on Wall Street for me. That's why I like it. I think. You know, it had a little. It did. It did have some Goodfellas. You could see the the you know where you know Martin Scorsese put his his signatures on a few scenes. Yeah, you can always tell when you're watching a Scorsese movie. It was like it had the narration. Mm-hmm. Has that has that scene where it kind of introduces all of the main players, type of deal. Yeah, we'll, bugs, uh, we will play oh, that. And, yes, the excess of titties. I, I that was a five star review for me right there. Yeah, this is a five star review for me right there from beginning. To, almost it hits you within ten minutes. You see tits, and they don't stop popping up. No, really, a lot of titty in this movie. Um, and really, I'm not complaining. Are you? No, really nice ones, too. Um, let's go ahead and go through some of the cast here. We got Leonardo DiCaprio playing Jordan Belfort, uh, who's the main character in the movie, who this movie is about his his rise and fall to Wall Street millionaire to, uh, I mean, I, I will go ahead and tell you, to now a motivational speaker, basically. Which is... In fucking sane. <laughs> you know what? Watch the movie. He was. That's basically all he was. He was basically a motivational speaker throughout the movie, and we'll 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 we'll, we'll talk about all that and get into it. But um, impressive casting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had Jonah Hill as Donny Azoff, uh, Margot Robbie, gorgeous, gorgeous as uh, Naomi, uh, who becomes his wife. Matthew McConaughey has a little part in this movie as a guy named Mark Hanna, uh, Kyle Chandler, Rob Reiner, John Bertha, John Favreau, or Favreau, sorry, has a uh, a little part in this movie. Um, the real uh, Jordan Belfort is actually in a part in this movie, which we'll we'll get to, and uh, a few others. And I'm sure you're all wondering, but. Was anyone in this movie in NYPD Blue? Of course they were. Of Shoot. course. At the end of the movie, uh, the lawyer for um, uh, Belfort, for Jordan, is uh, Gregory Jabara, who is in Blue Bloods right now, but also did one episode of NYPD Blue. Very cool. There you go. So, uh, yeah, of course, always. And my PD Blue references until the end of fucking time. There's probably more, to be honest. That was just the one that I saw that caught my eye. I was like, oh, look, it's Gregory Jabara. So, you know, he's, like I said, he's in Blue Bloods right now. He's, uh, uh, he's the commissioner, Tom Selleck's, uh, kind of right-hand man. He's the, uh, not the deputy commissioner, but like the chief commission i don't know whatever he's in that fucking show but uh 
you know, you were talking about kind of, um, you know, the introductions and stuff. He sort of introduces himself in the beginning of this movie, and the beginning of this movie is, like, like Anthony said, it starts out pretty insane. It really. Oh, 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 we forgot. You know, Box. We're going through the casting here. Mm-hmm. We forgot another integral character. Who? Quaaludes. I, I swear I was waiting for Bill Cosby to make a cameo at some point. But Quaaludes <laughs> play a big part in this movie. Nah, he was still... No, nah, this was way before he got his stuff done. But, um, <laughs> Anthony, I know, uh, you know, I got a little bottle the other night with Shaheen. Didn't want you to feel left out. Decided to go get some tequila for tonight. Very cool. So I got some The worm te- in there? I, uh, no, no, no. No, I'm not that fucking brave. <laughs> they do sell that shit here, though. Oh! I Question though, in, in your younger days, box, did you ever taste the worm? Did you ever have it? No. No, I was actually not a big tequila drinker in my younger days. I had a little, uh, the same issue with the whiskey I had with tequila. Matter of fact, it was all on the same night. But somehow, with all my psychotic friends, I got over the tequila problem. Um, still fucking can't drink whiskey since I was 18 years old. Still can't do it. Wow. Southern Comfort. That's interesting. Yep. I figured that would have been like a go-to drink for you. No. No. What are Quaaludes? Well, Benjamin, we will definitely play exactly what Quaaludes are. I do have that part written down, so have no fear. You will know everything about Quaaludes before the show is over, sir. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And also, uh, if the authorities ever listen to this episode, we had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Nothing. I don't recall. In case goes on a... (laughs) I don't recall. Yeah, I don't recall. Yeah, this episode will get deleted. (laughs) This episode is called, I don't recall, The Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) That... That's a running thing that we'll get into also later in the movie. To be honest with you, I started doing a bunch of notes where I'm going to play because this is the first time I'd seen this movie. But I got so into the movie, I kept forgetting to write shit down. So, once again, just like last week, we're going by my memory. So, Yeah, I I have it on in the background because it's one of those movies... At first, I didn't think I was going to like it, but like I said, I'm a Scorsese fan. Mm-hmm. I love him and uh, DiCaprio together, Gangs of New York, The Departed. Right. So I gave it a shot based off of that, and literally, once I turned it on, I just got lost in it. It's one of those movies where three hours is a long time to ask anybody to invest in anything, now, especially nowadays with the short attention spans, the phones, but I got lost in it. I so three hours f- flew by for me. A uh, little long. I'm sitting here in the computer chair watching it. I wanted to have the uh, the headphones on and everything. So, but uh, man, yeah, what a movie! And you know, you mentioned fucking like Gangs of New York, and you can sort of see like uh, again, Scorsese has a signature. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's it's in the production of the scenes. It's in the camera work. His signature is everywhere in his movies. And I'm sure we we probably said these exact words when we did Goodfellas, which was our first show, uh, second show, maybe third. 
Yeah, I think if I were, if that would have been episode three. So, yeah, but it, it was within the first five episodes. It was definitely within the first five. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure we said that he's got a signature, but he's it, his movies are like a serial killer. They've got a signature, and you know, one of the best signatures in a Scorsese movie for me personally is the narration. I love when a character narrates a movie. I don't know why, but I do. I absolutely love it. And I'm talking, I mean, I'm talking Ferris Bueller's Day Off as he's narrating into the camera. I'm talking, I mean, you know, any movie that has done, you know, the, the narration. Obviously, you know, we mentioned Goodfellas. Um... Jesus, what are some more? They don't even have to be Scorsese. I like the narration-type movies. Uh, but Scorsese's pretty known for it. I mean, you know, you look at Gangs of New York. You know, that's another one. All his movies have that narrating sort of thing to it. And I love it. I love it. To me, it, it, me it adds. Mm-hmm. You like the narration. I, and I agree. It's, it's definitely a different uh, plot device. And I, it's very uh, unique mm-hmm. to Scorsese. But uh, how'd you think? What'd you think of the narration aspect in a good? I'm um, not Goodfellas, um, Casino, where you basically had like multiple characters telling the story, so it really wasn't through one person's eyes. I I, I have no problem with it. I liked it. I liked it. Casino but, is an excellent movie. So well done. Again, you can see this the just everything on that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, and that's, and honestly, we should kind of make note of this. Another Scorsese signature is to take books. And make them into movies. Mm-hmm. He did it. Uh, Goodfellas was based off a of wise guy by Nicholas Pileggi. Casino was also based off a book called Casino by again Nicholas Pileggi, as was this movie. Mm-hmm. So all so he yeah he has like a lot of unique signatures that I makes me a big time fan. Yep, yep. I mean Cape Fear got some. Oh, oh that that's another. Yeah, we got that Casino. We got to get to those two, man. Cape Fear especially. That's like a forgotten gem. Yep. Absolutely. People forget about that one, I think. It is. It is a forgotten one. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're going to have to wait a few weeks before we do the Gangs of New York. That's like another two and a two and a fucking almost three-hour movie. So and You saw that one, didn't you? Oh, God, I've seen that movie multiple times. Yeah. Now, between that, like a triple threat. I guess I'll put you on the spot real quick. Uh-oh. Goodfellas. The Departed, Gangs of New York. Haven't seen The Departed. You gotta see that. I know. There's, again, my, I've said this before, my uncle was a fucking consultant on the movie. Oh, for The Departed? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, remember. You gotta get him on the show then. Like, that'd be a cool little, uh. I don't know if he would do that. He's old and probably be yelling at my cousin still. Who knows? (laughs) He may. I could, uh. I could talk to him. I mean, I I don't much, but um, they're they they just moved to Florida. So um, anyway, we got a three hour movie, so let's uh, let's dig into it a little bit. We went through some of the characters. We'll get into more of the characters as we go. The movie mainly, um, if I had to say, the focus is on. Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill, their two characters as uh, Jordan and Donnie. Um, 
there are friends, which we will get to the friends introduction in a little while. But uh, he kind of introduced himself in the beginning, and let's just uh, let's start off with a little clip here. Uh, movie starts off. They're they're uh, they're tossing midgets. They're fucking. Midget -tossing. They're <laughs> midget tossing at a dartboard, a giant dartboard, and. Um, this is how the movie starts, and this is where we're going to start from right here. My name is Jordan Belfort. Not him. Me. That's right. I'm a former member of the middle class raised by two accountants in a tiny apartment in Bayside, Queens. The year I turned 26 as the head of my own brokerage firm, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. <laughs> No, 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 no. My Ferrari was white like Don Johnson's in Miami Vice, not red. See that humongous estate down there? That's my house. My wife, Naomi, the Duchess of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, a former model. Two minutes, 20 seconds to the movie. Titty! Oh, oh, before. That's all I'm saying. You should also mention throughout this montage where he's, you know, introducing himself. I'm going to keep going, but go ahead. He's getting a blowjob while he's driving a Ferrari. He that, is. my friends, is the fucking dream. Um, I just want to point that out. Let me say one thing. When driving a Ferrari, it's a very simple task. <laughs> trust me. I trust me. <laughs> I've driven Porsches, Ferraris, and I know both of them. You can easily get, get your... some things done. Yes, yes, the uh, yes, absolutely. The job will get done, even <laughs> even even in a five-speed, uh, six-speed. When it comes to Porsches and Ferraris, trust me, the job can get done uh, very easily, very easily. That car doesn't need to switch gears as much as you would think if you're just cruising. <laughs> Once you hit 70, you put that bitch in fifth and you're good to go. But, uh, yeah, I'll keep going a little bit. But uh, I, I'm going to – there are some long scenes to play here. I, I mean, there's a scene with Matthew McConaughey. I'm going to have to play all of it because – Yeah, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. That scene is fucking golden. I almost spit out my food. I was eating watching that part, and I almost spit out my food. Matthew, you know what I'm going to say? Thank God for Matthew McConaughey. Thank you for making him, because he is fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. He, he, he Alec Baldwin, this movie, he came in and stole it. Just like in Glengarry Glen Ross, he came in for, you know, 10 minutes, stole the fucking movie, and and gone. Didn't see him again. Yeah, um, and that's, that's one of my regrets. I wish he was actually in the movie longer. <laughs> yeah, but obviously this character wasn't. I mean, obviously, you know, we'll get to it in a minute, but that company shut down, so they all went their separate ways. But, yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, creative license. They yeah. could have found a way to keep him around if they wanted to. They but, yeah, but he definitely stole it. They should have given him a bigger part instead of the one he played, but... Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep going with the introduction a little bit. I got a couple, a few more seconds left. So here we go. And Miller Lite Girl. Yeah. She was the one with my cock in her mouth in the Ferrari. <laughs> so put your dick back in your pants. 
In addition to Naomi and my two perfect kids, I own a mansion, private jet, six cars, three horses, two vacation homes, and a 170-foot yacht. I also gamble like a degenerate. I drink like a fish. I fuck hookers maybe five, six times a week. I have three different federal agencies looking to indict me. Oh, yeah. And I love drugs. And in that last little scene, he's actually sucking cocaine out of a hooker's ass. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Box. Yeah. And watching this movie... I think my main takeaway was the keys to success are three things. <laughs> Hookers, blow, and masturbation. Matthew McConaughey basically says that. Absolutely. <laughs> he, he basically <laughs> those, does. Those are the keys to success, folks. Absolutely, man. But, um, you know, I mean, this guy is Jordan Belfort. This is, again, mostly a true story. Uh, you can look up Jordan Belfort. This movie does go through his life pretty well. He was insanely rich, uh, making all kinds of money on Wall Street. Um, and, you know, of course, uh, 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 flying his own helicopter, doing the craziest shit in the world, just completely fucked up on drugs. Yeah. Uh, his whole crew actually enjoyed the drugs yeah but um him and again jonah hill's character donnie in this movie seemed to like the drugs more than anybody but um i'm gonna go ahead and give you a little more i'm gonna go go ahead again this movie is a pretty much a true story we'll go through it i'm not gonna go scene by scene because we'll be here for fucking ever yeah, this um, is not um not one of those movies, folks. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 not gonna just blurt out the whole plot because really it's better in this movie to sort of play scenes, talk about the plot of the movie while we're going, um, and the scenes really open the plot up as to uh, and the scenes you know to where we're going. So, and gonna, oh, real quick, Bob, mm-hmm. go ahead, go ahead. I did want to point something out. It, the way it starts off, you basically you, it starts off telling you already establishing that he's rich, he's full of himself, he has a drug problem, he's into a lot of different things, much like Goodfellas started off, where they kind of yep. they that's how they brought you in. They start you off like halfway through the movie, and they kind of like work their way backwards from there to show you how they got to that point. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It does. Which I love. Which I which I think I, more directors need to take that approach. Well. Scorsese has a little bit of Tarantino to him, you know, and obviously I'm, I know Scorsese was way before Tarantino. Tarantino obviously pays a little bit of homage to uh, Scorsese with the way he lays out his movies too. But, um, you know, trust me, I'm, I'm, I, I know that. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it's good shit the way they do it. I like when people sort of show you the, all right, well, here's where we're going to go with the movie, and this is how we get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. And um, let me go ahead, a little more of an intro of himself here. Here we go. Oh. Yep. On a daily basis, I consume enough drugs to sedate Manhattan, Long Island, and Queens for a month. Okay, Mr. Jordan. 
I take Quaaludes 10 to 15 times a day for my back pain, Adderall to stay focused. Xanax to take the edge off, pot to mellow me out, cocaine to wake me back up again, and morphine, well, because it's awesome. Morning, mate. Because it's awesome. Yeah, he didn't even try to bullshit that one. (laughs) No, he doesn't. Um, Oh, you know what? There's a little bit more I wanted to play here. Let me go back just a little ways here, and I want to stop. He's in the limo. He's not really saying anything, but... uh, as he walks into his company, he does start talking again. Here we go. All the drugs under God's blue heaven, there is one that is my absolute favorite. See, enough of this shit will make you invincible. Able to conquer the world and eviscerate your enemies. And he is not talking about cocaine. He is talking about money. Money is the drug that he really fucking craves. Um, but again, you know, you, you in this, the, the, starts off where he's basically, again, he goes out there and when he walks out there to talk to these guys, he is a god to them. He's a, he is their motivational speaker every morning. You know, which doesn't surprise me he's doing what he's doing right now. I wasn't going to play this scene, but I mean, I can go ahead and play the first little motivational speech he gives these guys. And uh, before you play it, mm-hmm. um, you said motivational speaker, and I, I, I definitely agree with that. Now, would you equate him to, uh, you know, I'm going to go to, I'm going to make a wrestling reference here. But would you equate him to like a Paul Heyman type where he, it's just something about him where he could just, you could know he's full of shit. <laughs> But he just has a way about him with that twinkle in his eye that he can just motivate people, and you just don't know why. You can't understand why. Well, I mean, he obviously did, but you also have to remember, these Wall Street brokers just, if they were making money, they shut their mouth. Um, You know, this movie did have a little bit of... um, most of the, almost every movie up there that we posted or that you posted for the poll, this movie had a little piece of it. You could see some boiler room in it. You know, you, you could just see a little piece of everything because that's what he did. I mean, this was this was a fucking boiler room. You know, this is where uh, he was. Com- I mean, he was basically stealing people's money. Yeah, I'm not basically. He was. Was he? Yeah, <laughs> certain. I mean, look, some of the people definitely will make money because if no one makes money, you're not going to last long out there. <clears throat> you got to pick a few to make a little bit, but uh, m- most of the people don't make money. You know, it's the stock market. You go up, you go down, and that's how it is. That's how it yeah. is. Yeah, and I guess I'll wait till we get to the Matthew McConaughey part, but he basically says something uh, along the lines of, uh, yeah, stock market is basically a bunch of shit. <laughs> Bullshit. Well, nobody I, really knows, but we'll we, get to that scene later. I think we all knew that. Yeah, I mean, I'll go ahead and play a little bit of it. I mean, just hear the, the, the people when he walks out. And, you know, this is a little bit later in the movie when he's got his own company going, and he is, you know, the president of the company and walks out there like a god. Here it is. Your choice, you can save the fucking spotted owl with money. I always wanted to be rich. So let me go back. 
I'm 22 years old, ah. newly married, and already a money-crazed little shit. See, I already forgot right now. He didn't do a motivational speech there. He just walked out. This is actually where it starts getting into his young life, where he's 22. Um, he's married at this point already to a girl. You know, he's uh, a guy from the Bronx who really wanted to make it out and obviously make a lot of money and uh, goes into a little firm and uh, starts selling stocks. And the dude that he starts working with is a dick. Yeah, he's an, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know about, I mean, about two working sales. And I'm not saying you specifically, but have you, is that like a pretty accurate perception of a, Representation, I should say, of uh, people in sales, where they're very like aggressive, assholeish. Yeah, a few of them are. You'll definitely get those people. Um, they're usually the ones who are really good making the money, and uh, most of them are just douchebags. When I was in the debt settlement sales racket, um. All the guys that made money were the biggest dickheads in the world. They forced people basically to do things that, you know, it it was really weird the way it worked. If you signed them up for a three-year deal, a five-year deal, or a seven-year deal, um, you really got no money on a seven-year deal. You had to sign them up for a three-year. So a lot of the guys would make people only sign up for a three-year and then say, that's all we can sign you up for because, hey, you can change it down the road. But if they change it, it doesn't change your commission. Uh. You know, scummy things. They, and, you know, these guys were making twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 a month. And they all drove piece of shit cars. Wow. You know, I mean, I'll be honest. I was probably one of these guys when I was making fucking $3,000 a week, you know, driving a fucking, you know, F-350 Spider Ferrari and a, you know, 911 Carrera Porsche. I was probably one of these dickheads and didn't even realize it. I might still be. Maybe. Hey, you were young. You were living a dream. Dude, I was 23 years old. Driving a Ferrari. Snorting blow out of the hooker's asses, huh? No, I wasn't going that far. But, I mean, I was 23 years old living in South Florida driving a Ferrari. I was 24. Actually, I was 22 years old driving a Porsche, 23 years old driving a Ferrari. So, I mean, I made... Pussy magnet. Had to be a a pussy magnet driving a Ferrari in Florida. That's what I'm saying. Me and my buddy would jump in the car on a Saturday and be like, all right, let's see if we can make it to Sunrise. And he'd be like, I don't... I bet we don't make it to Oakland Park Boulevard. And we... (laughs) (laughs) And before we would get halfway down the fucking road, man, some some gold-digging bitch would flag us down. You know, so yeah, it was just the way it fucking went, man. Fucking, you know, money talks, bro. Money talks. Yeah. And if you, even if you don't have money, it's all about the perception of what people think you have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm fucking broke as a joke now, but I mean, I had my times and it was a great fucking time to be doing it, man. Young, dumb, full of cum and in Florida, buddy. 
And plus, it's the '90s. Clinton's in office. Was, Everybody's making money. It was the Clinton <laughs> days, buddy. I was making great fucking money. Great money. I'm that that, that three grand a week was commissions. Wow. You know, it 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 was good shit, man. Two to three grand a week was nice always. And I, and honestly, even by today's standard, that's still a good living if you can get it. Yeah, I mean, you know, back then my rent was only nine seventy five for the house I was living in. Oh, you lucky son of a bitch! It was beautiful, man. It was a badass house, dude. It's the house I I actually got the old uh, I got the uh, DVD recorder hooked up. I'm gonna try to record on all that. Uh, that party tomorrow so let me ask you real quick and we'll get back to the movie mm-hmm. was it like a jersey shore type setup no was it like that because you know how the house had like the like i guess like six seven rooms no i had two bedrooms a back room which they had turned into some weird freaky room the back room i had probably the only fireplace in florida i had a fireplace back there and a giant window AC unit that the guy had put in. And a old beat up console TV that he would not let me get rid of. It's part of the house. You don't touch it. So I I only used it when I had parties and I would uh usually put like WrestleMania on there and stuff, so I don't know, man, but yeah, I had a weird house, but uh, pretty big backyard, and it was a it was a damn good place for a a young you know early twenty year old kid to be living in in Florida, right behind the bar that was my favorite bar, Krabby Jack's, walking distance. So yeah, it was pretty fucking badass, man. Pretty fucking badass. When I had my wow, very cool. When I had my parties, I would mount a disco ball in my kitchen. <laughs> it was fucking awesome, dude. It was awesome. My kitchen turned turned into the dance floor. <laughs> disco balls, back rooms, mm-hmm. air conditioning. <laughs> we would put Jesus fucking Christ. I can would, only imagine <clears throat> a I disco had, ball in a back room. I can only imagine. <laughs> I had a uh, I had a horseshoe pits that my roommate built in the backyard because we always used to get out there, get drunk, and play horseshoes. At night, we would take glow sticks and slice them and dump the fucking inside all over them. So they would glow at night. So we played fucking night horseshoes and shit. It was pretty badass, dude. We had fun, man. We got drunk and had fun fucking every fucking, damn near every night, dude. It was great. Good times, man. That's very cool, man, you know. Good times. I'm glad. uh, Wish I had saved some, but then again, sometimes I look back and go, "Mm, uh, no regrets, man. No regrets. You can't take it with you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. B-Mix says he loves horseshoes. I love playing horseshoes too, man. So fuck. That is the best. Let's have a beer and fucking be outside game to play. Nothing oh better. no! You know a great game. If you're gonna tell me, corn, I, 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 I know this because I was fucking t- uh, wasted out of my mind. But I remember it specifically. What? Beer pong. Did you? Beer notice? pong is like the best drunk game to play ever. Well, they're playing it, except they're playing with shots of whiskey. Ah! If you notice in this movie, uh, 
we never played beer pong. We had a game that we played called Chandeliers. Um, you get one giant beer, put it in the middle, fill it up. You get a bunch of smaller cups, and you put it around that cup, however many people are playing. And then you bounce the quarter. If it lands in your cup, you drink. If it lands in someone else's cup, they drink, and so on and so forth. If it lands in the middle, everybody drinks. Last one to put their beer down has to drink the beer in the middle. Now, we used to do a little tweak. We would mix the beer in the middle with some really... We would put all kinds of beer in there. We'd have, like, everyone pour a little bit of their beer. So it was, like, Coors Light, Bud Light, Mickey's, whatever people were drinking, we would dump in there. So if you had to drink that middle beer, you were getting fucked up. Yeah, we would play that. And then uh, Mexican Quarters, where, you know, it's regular quarters, but if they both glasses, you have two people playing, both glasses... Uh, catch up to you you gotta stack them and you shoot it if you make it you'd spin the quarter you drink till it stops spinning it's a fucking crazy game yeah I used to play some fun drinking games dude yeah yeah we would do all the fucking crazy shit man it was back in the day drunk as fuck but anyway strip poker strip poker that's the burning question played that a few times that is not on video Damn it. <laughs> but I have played once or twice. Yeah, that's a fun game. I'm a you got you to play with the right people, though. Uh, and I'm a good poker player. <laughs> <laughs> and does she, have, does she have a good poker face? No. <laughs> I did, though. <laughs> oh, God. And that's oh, what shit. counts. I had a great poker face. So... <laughs> Alright, let's get back to this goddamn movie. We're almost fucking hour into the show here. Alright, let's go ahead. I'm going to play a little, another little scene for you before I get to the Matthew McConaughey scene. And then, uh, yeah, we'll definitely get to that because that scene itself is amazing. So, let me get to this little scene, though. From Wall Street. Fuck this shit, that cunt, cock, asshole. I couldn't believe how these guys talked to each other. I was hooked in seconds. It was like mainlining adrenaline. Yeah, fuck face. Look at where the stock's at today, huh? You can't get anything. At 44. Pick up the cocksucking phone. Sorry, yes. Mark's been great as well. All right. That basically, you know, this is it. He just heard the way they were speaking to each other, and he was fucking hooked. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of what it is, man. These guys just get hooked on the... Yeah. The... the it, it's... It's it's legal gambling, dude. It's yeah, a legal he, gambling. He basically was like fresh face when he got into it. Like mm-hmm. he wanted to make money, obviously that was his goal, but he was like a small town kid just trying to make good and then once he gets around the sharks, he himself becomes a shark. Because mm-hmm. mm. he wasn't he didn't even have any vices before he met these people. No. No, and you can tell that in the scene I'm about to play. I'm actually about to get into the Matthew McConaughey scene right now. Matthew McConaughey is his boss above the dickhead boss and he's really mellow really cool kind of sees something in you know leo's uh character you know belfort in this movie and uh takes him out to lunch and 
it's the weirdest lunch you you would ever go to as a business person. Now, this is the early 80s. Remember that. But, uh, yeah, I'm I, this scene, it's going to be long. I'll break it up a little bit. But uh, I got to play this. There is not one part of this scene that I don't want to fucking play. But um, in the beginning, again, he's at lunch with Leonardo DiCaprio. And Matthew McConaughey is doing some sort of ritual, which he's beating his chest and chanting like an Indian. You'll hear this now. at the end is the best. Dutsky. No, thank you, though. Mr. Hammer, what can I bring for you on this glorious afternoon? Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes the fuck out. <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm good for, with water for now, though. Thank you. It's his first day on Wall Street. Give him time. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That sounds like a hell of a day to me. Oh, yes. I'd be down for this. Again, I got to break this part up, but uh, this it, now is where we get into some of the meat of what he learns. And... Um, Again, I'm going to place a, a, a lot more parts in the f beginning of this movie because it really tells you what his life was like, and that's kind of what uh, what this movie is. So a little more of the scene. Here we go. Mr. Hanna, you were able to do drugs during the day and, and still function, still do your job. Well, how the fuck else would you do this job? Cocaine and hookers, my friend. Right. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I'm incredibly excited to be a part of your firm. I mean, uh, <laughs> you, the clients you have are absolutely... Fuck the clients. <laughs> your only responsibility is to put meat on the table. You got a girlfriend? I'm, I'm married. I have a <clears throat> wife. Her name's Teresa. She cuts hair. Congratulations. Thank you. Think about Teresa. Name of the game? Move the money from your client's pocket into your pocket. Right. But if you can make the client's money at the same time, it's advantageous to everyone, correct? No. <laughs> Number one rule of Wall Street. Nobody. I don't care if you're Warren Buffett or if you're Jimmy Buffett. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in fucking circles. Least of all stockbrokers. Mm -hmm. right? It's all a fugazi. You know what a fugazi is? No. Fugazi. It's a uh, fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a... Fairy dust. It doesn't. <laughs> Matthew, uh, dude, I'm once again, Matthew McConaughey, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is this movie. He steals this movie, in my opinion. You know what? He steals the first hour of this movie. Yeah. At definitely. least. Because you do sort of forget about him. But Leonardo. Uh, uh, Belfort does bring up a little bit of this scene later in the movie, um, you know, with the chest beating and everything, and we'll definitely 
get to that part because that's another very important part. But uh, again, I do want to break this up because this is like a four minute scene and I just, yeah. I'm watching it going, how can I not just play the whole fucking thing? Yeah, but we got to definitely play his little uh, rant on masturbation. That was fucking golden to me. I laughed my ass off at that one. Oh, this one? Oh, dude, that's, that, trust me. This whole scene, the whole lunch scene is getting played. Here you go. It exists. It's never landed. It is no matter. It's not on the elemental chart. It, it's not fucking real. Right? All right. All right. <laughs> Stay with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't create shit. We don't build anything. No. So if you got a client <clears throat> who bought stock at eight mm-hmm. and it now sits at sixteen and he's all fucking happy, he wants to cash in, liquidate, take his fucking money and run home, you don't let him do that. Okay. Because that would make it real. Right. No, what do you do? You get another brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. A special idea. Another situation, another stock to reinvest his earnings and then some. And he will every single time because mm-hmm. they're fucking addicted. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep doing this again. All right, now he said something there that we do need to sort of touch on here. Now, basically what he's saying is once you have their money, you don't give it back. You don't let them cash out. You always reinvest. The The, the bigger, better idea is always the next idea and the next idea. And like he said... You know, these guys, they always put it back in because they're addicted. They're addicted. And, you know, it kind of goes back to Boiler Room, who basically they always said, you know, you show your guy two two points profit and he'll let you babysit your, you know, his fucking kids. That's you know, that that's one of the lines from Boiler Room, which, again, you know, you sort of... It was about the same thing, so you're going to get the same parallel thinking with the movies. But, um, you know, it's it's an addiction, dude. Like I said, this is legal gambling in, in every state. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I mean, look at all, you know, you can trade online now, stuff like that, which wasn't around back then. Um, but, yeah, it was even worse of an addiction back then because this was the only way to trade was to be on the fucking market and do what these guys are doing. Um, So here we go. And again, and again, meanwhile, he thinks he's getting shit rich, which he is on paper, but you and me, the brokers, we're taking home cold, hard cash via commission, motherfucker. Right. (laughs) That's incredible, sir. can't tell you how excited I am. You should be. There's two keys to success in the broker business. First of all, you got to stay relaxed. Yeah. You jerk off? Do I, do I jerk off? Yeah. Yeah, I jerk off, yeah. How many times a week? <laughs> like um, three, three, four, three, four times, maybe. I'm going to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. <laughs> I myself... I jerk off at least twice a day. Wow. Once in the morning, right after I work out, and then once right after lunch. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay? I want to. That's not why I do it. <laughs> I do it because I fucking need to. Mm-hmm. Think about it. You're dealing with numbers all day long. Mm-hmm. Decimal points, high frequencies, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> fucking digits. <laughs> all very acidic, above the shoulders, mustard shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It kind of wake some people out. Mm-hmm. Right? You got to feed the geese to keep the blood flowing. Mm-hmm. I keep the rhythm below the belt. Done. 
This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance, split your differential, and tip the fuck over. What the fuck just happened? Sorry. Or worse yet, I've seen this happen. Implode. No, I don't want to implode, sir. No. No, no you don't. I'm in it for the long run, you know? Yeah, implosions are ugly. Yeah. Pop off to the bathroom, work one out anytime you can, and when you get really good at it, you'll fucking be stroking it and you'll be thinking about money. <laughs> Second key to success in this racket is this little baby right here. It's called cocaine. Mm -hmm. Here right. we go. It will keep you sharp between the ears. It'll also help your fingers dial faster. And guess what? That's good for me. Yes, sir. Revolutions. You follow? Revolutions. Keep the clients on the Ferris wheel. And it goes. The park is open 24-7, 365. Every decade, every goddamn century. That's it. Name of the game. How kitty? Mmm. Thank you. Mmm. That's that whole part. And again, he basically teaches him about the business. And you can sort of see he's lightening it up. He's understanding it. Uh, you know, next scene, he's in a strip club. He's snorting coke. He's getting blowjobs. He's living fucking life. He's drinking. This is where his vice starts. Um, this company basically gets shut down. The company he's working for pretty quick um if i'm correct here let me see oh, yeah, I... Did, like uh, i think like a month in right right um actually not that long it goes to october 1987 and this is where it starts going bad and where they do start getting shut down um october 90, 1987 was the huge huge uh it was the you know he even says it it's the worst since the depression uh, let me see if i can get this here hold on right after this part he walks into the office here let me see what i can do here last bell holy well all right i missed the part where he's talking but uh Basically, yeah, this was the worst. Does it say it here? One day. No shit. By 4 p.m. Yeah. Give me a sec. He'll walk into the office. But, uh, yeah, this is kind of what he, he, he tells why the company shut down. And uh, here we go. To make my fortune. My first day is a future master of the universe. All right. Now, he had just gotten his Series 7. Which your Series 7 is, that's when you can start trading legally and making big trades on Wall Street. Uh, 
you know, so th this is his first day with the Series 7, his license. Basically, this is a license to trade, like a real estate license or something. And uh, this is it. Called it Black Monday. No shit. By 4 p.m., the market had dropped 508 points. The biggest plummet since the crash of 29. I know your family. You know mine. No, I don't know. Some fucking country in Europe took a shit. Let them do what they want to fucking do. Our market holdings. This is not something that you want to see. You know what happened? There you go. The worst crash since 1929 happened this day, October in uh, 1987. And the company had to shut down. They lost so much money, they had to shut the company down. So, you know, goes through a little bit. He's looking for work, looking for work. His wife finds him a little place to go. And it's a little shitty place. You know, basically in the middle of a fucking strip mall. And, uh... He starts talking to the guy, and the guy starts telling him how they're penny stocks. And, uh, well, what the fuck? I guess I can play that scene too, huh? Never heard of them. They're up and comers. That's what that yeah, hold on. We'll get to it in just a second here. You cheap fuck. Here we go. <laughs> so, uh, where, uh, where are you, Quotrons here? Quotrons? Yeah, computers. No, no, we don't even need computers here. We just trade right off the pink sheets here. Pink sheets? Yeah, yeah they're penny stocks. You know, uh, companies that can't get listed on NASDAQ, they don't have enough capital. Their shares trade here. Penny stocks? Yeah, this one, uh, Aerotyne, is a really interesting, or uh, Aerotyne. Aerotyne, yeah. Aerotyne. <laughs> Aerotyne, yeah. Very hot stock right now. Yeah? Yeah, there's just a couple of brothers that are making radar detectors out of their garage. They're out of Dubuque. Maybe it's microwaves. I'm not sure, but you call the company's the main line. Their mom, Dorothy, answers, and she is so sweet. The company. I actually don't know what else to do. I don't know anything else about them other than that. <laughs> I mean, these guys are so small time compared to what he wants to be. Uh, they're, you know, penny stock guys, and he's used to selling these big companies. And, well, it's what he was, I mean, that's what he's trained to do. You know, that's, he's got his Series 7, so he can do whatever he wants. Um, but, you know, I'll keep going a little bit here. <laughs> Six cents a share? Come on, who buys this crap? Well, I mean, honestly, mostly schmucks. Postmen, there's always postmen. Right. Uh, plumbers, um, they see our ads in the back of uh, Hustler and Popular Mechanics, and our, our ads actually say they can get rich quick. <laughs> Hustler? Yeah. You uh, know the girly magazine? Yeah, yeah. Nudie mag. A lot. Yeah. We're helping them finance uh, houses. We're helping them buy their wife a diamond ring, a boat, maybe. Is this, is this, uh, is this stuff regulated, or are you guys, what are you doing here? Uh, sort of. Sort of? Jesus Christ. See, you kind of saw his eyes light up right there when he says is this stuff regulated. Sort of. Hmm. Really? Because he, even though they're little shit stocks, he does see some potential in these little stocks. And, uh, again, we'll see a little more in this scene and then we'll, uh, We'll jump back in and talk more here. Spread on these is huge. Yeah, and that's the point. That's what's your name again? Mine, Jordan Belfort. Jordan, what do you get on a blue chip stock? I make one percent. I did make one percent. Pink sheets, it's fifty. It's fifty percent. 
50% commission? Yep. For what? It's our markup for our services. So if I, if I, if I sell a stock at $10,000, my commission is 5000 bucks. If you sell $10,000 worth of this stock, I will personally give you a blowjob for free. <laughs> and I hope it happens. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, if I had a lot of, if I had one criticism of the movie, there, there were a lot of overt gay references. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, uh, case wrong it people. was fine. But there, there, there was a, yeah. There were a few. But, there um, was one scene that we'll, we're going to kind of glide over. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, basically, what this guy does, uh, Jordan Belfort, is as soon as this guy gives him a phone, he starts talking, and the whole office shuts the fuck up and starts listening. He just did what no one else there could have done, and um, fuck it, let's do it. My company, a postcard a few weeks back, requesting information on penny stocks that had huge upside potential with very little downside risk. Does that ring a bell? Okay, great. Well, reason for the call today, John, is something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last... Now, just to, before we get into this, I want to point one thing out. All these guys are dressed in, like, polos, button-down shirts. This guy's in a fucking, like, $3,000 suit. You know, he's sitting there in a suit, hair slicked back. He looks good. Everyone else in there just looks like schlubs compared to this guy. You know the saying, box? Dress for the job you want, not the job you got. That's obviously what he was doing. But again, you listen here, and he was so far ahead of these guys that, I mean, he became, like, the guy. So, here we go. Six months. If you have 60 seconds, I'd like to share the idea with you. You got a minute? Name of the company, Aerotine International. It is a cutting-edge, high-tech firm out of the Midwest awaiting imminent patent approval on a next generation of radar detectors that have both huge military and civilian applications. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at $0.10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analyst indicator could go a heck of a lot higher than that. Your profit on a $6,000 investment would be upwards of $60,000. Jesus, that's my mortgage, man. Exactly, you could pay off your mortgage. This stock will pay off my house. John, one thing I can promise you, even in this market, is that I never ask my clients to judge me on my winners. I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. And in the case of Aerotime, based on every technical factor out there, John, we are looking at a grand slam home run. Four thousand, that'd be forty thousand shares, John. Let me lock in that trade right now and get back to you with my secretary with an exact confirmation. Sound good, John? Great. Hey John, thank you for your vote of confidence and welcome to the Investor Center. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Bye bye. How'd you fucking do that? <laughs> and they are in shock. You know, but again, this guy is a, you know, again, I quote a little line from Boiler Room, a salesman among salesmen. This guy could sell you anything, and he was kicking ass 
in this company, making more than anybody. I mean, he was making at one. You know, when we finally meet Jonah Hill, he tells him seventy-two thousand dollars a a month. And uh, actually, we're right here at the point where he does meet Jonah Hill's character, Donnie. Here, uh, he actually says, "If you could show me a pay stub for seventy-two thousand dollars." I'll quit my job right now and I'm I work for you. <laughs> and lo and behold, Leo breaks out a pay stub and he quits his job right there, right then, boom. And you know, Leo's like, that's a little weird. The guy barely fucking knows me. <laughs> I <know>? mean <laughs> And honestly, you know what this scene kinda reminded me of? And this movie is totally unrelated to this one. What? But it reminded me of Harlem Knights. A little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming bit. home no more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we exactly we we find out Jonah's married to his cousin uh, a little later in the movie, but yeah. uh, you know, once again, Leo tries crack and he he likes it, but um, you know, we keep going a little bit. We meet a, a few of his friends. And uh, I do get to that part a little bit here. I think that's actually... You know what? All the friends he meets, I got that part right here. Give me a couple seconds here. Yep, that's the part I want right there. It's going to start in a few seconds here. I just need a little bit of time. But uh really funny scene where they're all in a fucking... Um, you know what? I'm going to play the sell me a pen scene. This is something that if you go for a sales job... Someone always does. Sell me this pen. And you know, the way the guy sells it is what he's looking for. And I, I just want to play a good scene here. Mod's done. Boom. Sell me that pen. Watch. Go on. Let me sell this fucking pen. That's my boy right there. This pen. Fucking right. sell anything. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you name down that napkin for me? I don't have a pen. Exactly. Supply and demand, my friend. I'm saying he's creating urgency. <laughs> See? Creating. He created. The supply and demand. Even though that's the one guy that didn't come in with him on this little uh, adventure that yeah. uh, he goes on. Um, basically, the venture he decides to go on is he's starting his own company. He thinks he can sell these fucking penny stocks and make his own fucking money. So what does he do? He goes out and makes it happen. And uh, these are the people he uses to do it. Here we go. Guys weren't like Harvard MBAs. Robbie Feinberg, the pinhead, took five years to finish high school. Alden Kupferberg, the sea otter, didn't even graduate. Chester Ming, the depraved Chinaman, thought jujitsu was in Israel. Smartest of the bunch was Nicky Koskoff. He actually went to law school. I called him Rugrat because of his piece of shit hairpiece. Still, Give them to me young, hungry, and... There it was. He took those guys, and he started selling those penny stocks and making great, great money doing it. Um, then he's sitting there, and he's uh, he's kind of talking to his wife one day. And she's like, you know, wouldn't you feel better if you sold these guys, you know, real stocks, you know, names? And he starts... Uh, he starts thinking, yeah, that fucking would be. Um, and he sees the, you know, he's looking out, he's watching these guys, and next thing you know, 
he decides to start fucking doing it, and uh, basically, this is where he comes up with the the scheme, I guess you could say, to start a company. And uh, here we go. Gentlemen, welcome to Stratton Oakmont. You schnooks will now be targeting the wealthiest 1%. By the way, did you catch what he just said there? Schnooks. You ever heard that line before? Uh, yeah. At the end of Goodfellas, right? Yeah. I get to live like a schnook. Schnook. Boom. <laughs> Signature right there. And I'm like, real Americans. Quick. Yep. Are you hearing a little bit of Ray Liotta uh, narration? A little bit when you, I mean, you, you, you gotta, dude, yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. You you hear. And again, it's the narrating in the movie. And it's another New York movie. So, you know, they kind of gave him the, you know, the, the heavy New York accent. And, you know, Leo does it good. He's really, you know, he's he's a great fucking actor. There's 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 nothing you can yeah. you can't deny that. Oh. And obviously, Score says he loves him. Oh yeah, I won't deny he's a good actor. But I mean, I just uh, the only thing I didn't like about the movie, I didn't like this part. I'm only joking, but he was too pretty to be a drug addict. No, I mean that, that just shows you if you're pretty enough, no matter how how fucked up you are, you can get as much ass as you want. Yeah, but I mean, you got to realize, I mean, this was the time when this was the 80s, bro. This was the fucking 80s, man. And you know what? There's a lot of people, good looking people out there who are drug addicts. A lot of these rich motherfuckers are fucking still to this day, coke fiends and shit like that. It's just the way they are, man. Yeah, just the way they are. But here, I'm going to just kind of introduce what's going on here. Talking about whales here. Moby fucking dicks. And with this script, which is now your new harpoon, I'm gonna teach each and every one of you to be Captain fucking Ahab. Get it? Huh? Captain who? Captain Ahab. From the fucking... Book, you from the book, know. motherfucker, from the book. Turn your <laughs> fucking brain on. Jesus, fuck Listen to me. We're a new company with a new name. A company that our clients can believe in. A company that our clients can trust. A firm whose roots are so deeply embedded into Wall Street that our very founders sailed over on the Mayflower and chiseled the name Stratton Oakmont right into plain fucking rock. You got it? <laughs> what we're gonna do is this. First we pitch them Disney, AT&T, IBM, blue chip stocks exclusively. Companies these people know. Once we've suckered them in, we unload the dog shit, the pink sheets, the penny stocks, where we make the money. 50% commission, baby. Now, the key to making money in a situation like this is to... All right. Now, he's pitched the guys on what to do, what his plan is. Now, in the middle of this, he just switched over a little bit. Now, in this, what he's doing is he's not only telling the guys what to do... He's actually on the phone with a, let's do it, with a mark, because that's what these fucking guys are to them. These guys are worse than fucking wrestling carnies, um, these Wall Street brokers. But uh, he's on the phone and showing these guys what to do and basically going from his script, word for word, showing these guys 
this is this can be done this is how it can be done and this is what you need to do here we go position yourself now before the settlement because by the time you read about it in the wall street journal it's already too late and you wait you wait and whoever speaks first loses sorry uh I appreciate the call. I really have to give this some thought and uh, talk to my wife about it. Um, can I call you back? They don't know, right? They got to think about it. They got to talk to the fucking wives or the fucking tooth fairy. Point is, it doesn't matter what the fuck they say. The only real objection that they have is that they don't trust you guys. And why should they trust you? I mean, look at you. You're a bunch of fucking sleazy salesmen, right? <laughs> so, what do you say? You mean to tell me that if I put you in at Union Carbide at a 7, it took you out at 32? Texas Instruments at 11 and took you out at 47? U.S. Steel at 16 took you out at 41? You wouldn't be saying to me right now, Chester, pick me up a few thousand shares at Disney on the spot right now. Come on. I mean, honestly, Kevin, honestly, seriously? <laughs> I, I don't know you. You you cold called me. You're a total stranger. I have a complete agreement with you. You don't know me. So I don't just know take you. Just a moment to reintroduce myself to you. My name is Alton Kupferberg. Bobby Feinberg. Chester May. I'm senior vice president of Stratton Oakmont, and I plan on being one of the top brokers of my firm next year. And I'm not going to get there by being wrong, Stan. I do want to say that. You sound like a, you sound like a pretty sincere guy. <laughs> it's not going to make you rich, and it's not going to make you poor. But what this trade will do is serve as a benchmark for future business, Kevin. Do you feel comfortable with me now, Scott? And then you'll know for sure that you finally found a broker on Wall Street that you can trust and who can consistently make you money. Sound fair enough? No, yeah, I guess. Just realize the whole time he, Leo, whenever you hear him talking, he's giving this guy the finger on the phone. He's mouthing the words, fuck you. He knows, first, he knows he's got this guy hooked like a fucking fish. And he's just playing him and playing him. And again, this sort of brings you, if you've ever seen Boiler Room, it's, you know, where they're all on the, you know, speakerphone and this and that. It's just, this is what they do, man. They live for these fucking moments. So, I'll finish up real quick. Say I'm pretty impressed. What do you, I don't know, what do you, what do you think? Kevin, you give me one shot here on a blue chip stock like Kodak. And believe me, Kevin, the only problem... <laughs> you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Sound fair enough? Shit, my, my, uh, my, my wife might divorce me, but yeah, let's do it. Oh, Excellent choice, Kevin. How much you want to go for this time? Let's do five, $5,000. We try 8000 Kevin. All right, let's do ten. Ten. Do you want to do that? Excellent choice. Kevin, let me lock in that trade right now and get back to you in a few minutes with an exact confirmation, Kevin. And welcome to Stratton Oakmont. Thanks, man. I'm going to have a beer. It's fun. Take it easy, Kev. Hey, uh, thanks, sir. Thanks a lot. There you go. That's how fucking easy it is. Now, this I did want to play that because this seems pretty important. <clears throat> Reason this scene is important, this is where his life changes. He starts making money on top of money, hand over fist. He's growing. He's growing. He's growing. He moves into a bigger office, a bigger office, a bigger office. These guys are just making him tons of fucking money, sticking to the plan. 
you get these guys in with the big stocks and then start dumping the little stocks on them. And if the little stocks make money, good. If they don't, they still make 50% commission. It doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't fucking matter. So, you know, to them, doesn't, you know, it's 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 all money. I mean, they're having parties. They're shaving girls' heads for 10 grand. Uh, yeah. They're doing uh, the <laughs> craziest. I do, she's going to use that 10 grand to get tits. Yep. <laughs> Yep, she's going to use it to get tits. Uh, then he has a Forbes article done about him. And that's another spot where it sort of changes a little bit. The girl really wrote some bad shit about him. So he thought she was calling him a twisted Robin Hood. She actually coined the Wolf of Wall Street phrase for him. Um, but turns out that actually wasn't a, it was a good and bad thing for him both bad thing because it put the, uh, FBI, it it put the FBI onto him. First of all, second of all, what it did though, is he had tons of brokers wanting to come work for him after the article was finally published. Uh, and you know, it, I mean, tons, just people going out the doors, wanting to work for him. But again, he had, you know, I mean, it it shows, you know, they're walking in with exotic animals. These guys they are doing crazy stuff in these offices, breaking bats, beating, you know, yelling at each other, making tons of fucking money. Fucking Uh, in the bathroom. uh, Yeah. He, actually, he said he had to institute a rule about no fucking between, what, 9 and 11 or 9 and 2 or something like yeah. that? Between the hours of 9 and 7. But I'm telling you, even that did Between the hours of 9 and 7, right there. Between the hours of 9 and 7, there was no fucking in the bathroom. somebody's fucking in the bathroom. It was great. Christened the new, uh, one of the guys christened the new elevator by getting a blowjob in it with everybody watching. Uh, just what a, what a fucking time these guys were having but just going absolutely insane making money on top of money um now we started the movie where they're throwing midgets yeah i have got to play the scene where this where this comes to fruition because the way they're talking about him here is hilarious you know the scene i'm talking about I know exactly. They had a little round table. I've, so basically, this kind of explains that beginning scene. It does, and I've got to play this. Oh, I'm going to throw the shit out of this little fucking thing. Yeah, you should so fucking toss if it, it gets hurt, what happens? Because we're going to get fucking nuts. I don't think he's going to get hurt. They're like, they got like superhuman strength. I think he's going to be fine. You can't look him uh, right in the eyes. Either. Can't look him in the eye? No, That's they, a fact. I saw on PBS. They get confused and their wires get crossed. You got to look like the chin. Like it looks like I'm looking at you, yeah, but yeah. I'm looking at your chin. I feel like you're addressing me right now, but you're not, are you? They're like the Mona Lisa. They they find eye contact like wherever you're standing in the room. And then they, okay, they lock right. in. You know? okay. No, but there is a limit to what we could do with them. I mean, we're allowed to throw shit at them. Yes. We're allowed to throw food, bananas. Any food. No, correct. But, for example, what I wouldn't do is maybe like tell them to pull his cock out and yeah. like get some of the girls to, you know, find 
fondle them and shit like that. I mean, that we could, be, let's keep that in our back pocket, but this guy is more about throwing, throwing at the dog. Yes, yes, yes. The thing is, this is their gift, okay? They're built to be thrown like a lawn dart. They're top heavy like a lawn dart, so they're built for accuracy. Oh my god, does this, can we bowl with this guy? That's his fucking brother, Robbie. His brother's the bowling ball. The, the, the brother, you put a skateboard on him, you strap him to a skateboard, you toss him down an alley at some pins. No shit, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Can we get that can guy? We get, we can can we get, we'll get, get that too? guy too, but it says here, this guy will show his cock. Yeah. Instead of growing up, yeah. They are very ornery, by the way, so you gotta be very careful with these little guys. Okay. Safety Remember, first. Safety yeah. is Got first, alright? I want somebody with a fucking tranquilizer gun ready to knock Got this it. fucker yeah. out. Yes. Do we want to get like a... Mace, like a, like taser a, guns. A pellet gun, maybe? Just like no, the pellet thing. gun is gonna hurt him. I just want him out. Knocked out. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I say we stick with the loophole, right? Okay? If we don't consider him a human, we just consider it an act, I think we're in the clear. Like the flying Walendas, you know, a lot of those guys died, but they never sued anybody. The important thing you guys gotta keep in mind is, is that these things gossip. They get together and they gossip. It's a good point. And these things gossip. Yeah. Oh, shit, there's more, but I have to stop because he said these I, things like, gossip. Like, this is like, this is this is funny racism. Like, <laughs> these things, they were, they were reduced to things. Yes, and, and you can get away by going, hey, 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 this, this, this scene was set in 1987. This was 87 talk, not 2017 talk. Yeah. So there's a little more, and I've got to play it, man. And the last uh, thing that we need is them getting together and saying, oh, listen, they made fun of us. Like, it's going to make Stratton look bad. That's why I love you. Mean. You think of shit like that. Well, that so is they come work. in. We treat it just like one of us, okay? That's one of us. Gobble, gobble, yeah, one <laughs> of us. We accept that one of us. Gobble, gobble, one of us. We accept that one of us. Okay. And by the way, he says his dad, she says his dad is coming. His dad does work for him. He's their accountant. Um, he yells and screams, and that's what they love about him. This is another funny part, but I don't think, I don't know. Should I play this part too? Eh, fuck it. Why not? Ah, fuck it. His dad again yells and screams, and Jonah Hill has a blast with them. But this is a part here where they're talking about how much money they've been spending uh, on ex on expenses, air quotes, and uh, here you go. Hundred and fucking thirty thousand fucking dollars in one fucking month. And since I did start that a second too late, he said four hundred and thirty thousand dollars. There you go. Morning, their business expenses. Relax. Business expenses. <laughs> yes. Jordy, look what you got here. What? Look at this. Twenty-six thousand dollars for one fucking dinner. Okay. No, no, no. This could be explained. Dad, we had client. We had five. The Pfizer Five clients. Right. The porterhouse from mm -hmm. Argentina. The expensive champagne. The wine. We had to buy champagne. And you ordered all the fucking sides. Tell them about the sides. I ordered the sides. Uh, sides. Yeah. Sides. Twenty-six thousand dollars yeah. worth of sides. <laughs> what are these sides? They cure cancer. The sides did cure cancer. That's the problem. They were there. That's why. That's why they were expensive. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I'm serious. I know. Stop. I'm EJ Entertainment. What the fuck is EJ Entertainment? <laughs> well, that's, uh... Yeah, Jordan, what's EJ Entertainment? I want to describe this. Jordan, what is that? It's a fucking prostitution uh, ring, Jordy. Yes, I know. That's what it is. That's, that's, that is what it is. Isn't that the perfect that, description for it? That is what it is, but it, none of these were charged to me. This is all of them. Oh, that was all us. It wasn't me, though. Fucking explain this shit to them. <laughs> well, These are all your fucking charges right here. You guys, no, the no. IRS, they allow for TNA. It's fine. TNA. 
TNE. Yeah, I said TNE. No, no, you said TNA. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You did. Why yeah, did you I did. say you that? You said TNA. It's TNE. All right. I know TNA. you're upset about the dinner, and that makes sense because we did spend too much money. But I said TNA. Don't tell me what you said. I heard what you said. Dad, he I'm, said TNA. He, he did. Said, he said yeah, TNA. Absolutely no question. Yeah, I heard I'm, it. I'm trying to. I'm getting this close. Dad, I'm getting relax. this close. That's what I'm saying. I knew. I want you to open up more, Max. He's gonna fucking kill you. Why, why do you hold it in? Why what do you, Max? Max, why do you hold that's it in? That's it. That's it. Get the fuck. What kind of hooker takes credit cards? A rich one. That's. There you go. <clears throat> what a hell of a scene, man. What a hell of a fucking scene in the movie. Um, and actually, they do explain different hookers to you here. Yes. I, I, pff, why not, right? Let me just get to the end of this scene yeah. again. More tits, so yeah. Yeah, why not? Let's get to the end of this fucking scene, and we'll go to that. But, uh, yeah, because I actually passed that part. But uh, hold on. Now, real quick, uh, while mm -hmm. you're looking for that scene. How hilarious was Rob Reiner in here? I, he basically essentially played like a uh, a different version of Archie Bunker, at least in my opinion. <laughs> With the rude. yelling and the, the you know balding and it, it just <laughs> I was hearing a lot of Archie and I'm like, what do you think of Rob Reiner's role in this movie? I thought it was hilarious. Oh, it was great. It was great. I, I Rob Reiner's great anyway, but the, the the part he played in this movie was like the the perfect holy shit accountant dad. Yeah. And I know we passed that part already, but I thought it was hilarious when he flipped out when the phone rang yeah. while he was trying to get through the equalizer. Yeah, yeah, we like, did. Who in the hell? <laughs> and then his dad picked up. the audacity to call somebody's house on a Tuesday doing equalizer. And then he picks up the phone with this weird English-British accent. Yeah, oh, shit. All right, now let's, uh, let's hear him explain the different kind of hookers you can get real quick. Chips, top of the line, model material. They cost between three and five hundred, and you had to wear a condom unless you gave them a hefty tip, which of course I always did. Then came the Nasdaqs, who were pretty not great. They cost between two and three hundred bucks. Finally, there were the pink sheets, skanks. They cost about a hundred or less. And if you didn't wear a condom, you'd have to get a penicillin shot the next day and pray your dick didn't fall off. Not that we didn't fuck them too. <laughs> Believe me, we did. Ow! It's that slip disc thing again. I know. There you go. So there's the kind of hookers they did get. So there yes. you go. But yeah, again, I mean, these guys, when you say, you know, living life, these guys were as certainly living a life. I mean, eating pills and, you know, they basically every, you know, he's having pool parties. Uh, you know, Jordan is. And while they're having pool parties, they're, they're doing drugs. They basically, he said, drugs opened their mind. Uh, again, this is the scene where they're playing beer pong with shots of fucking whiskey. Um that would fucking kill me but uh, here we'll go in a little bit of the scene too and again I'm playing more in the beginning than I'm going to play but uh, trust me we're not going to play that many more but here we go Mayor Lynch, fuck them. Why should they be taking all our fucking money all the fucking time? This way we become the underwriter. It was our next big move finding companies to take public IPOs it was the only way these Wall Street pricks would ever stop thinking of us as some shit kicker bucket shop. We got to Arncliffe International. We can See, we were a little different. 
We like to get as fucked up as possible during our business powwows, in order to stimulate our free-flowing ideas, which is why we were popping these lewds like they were M&M's. We own the fucking company. We own the companies. Don't know what a loot is? I'll tell you. Uh, okay. B-Megs. Hope you're listening, because this is where he tells you exactly what a loot is. Here you go. Wait, 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 wait. Looks like those loots are working their magic on Donnie right now. I forgot how weird the scene was. The Quaalude, or lewd as it is commonly referred to, was first synthesized in 1951 by an Indian doctor that's dots not feathers as a sedative and was prescribed to stressed out housewives with sleep disorders. But pretty soon, someone figured out that if you resisted the urge to sleep for just 15 minutes, you got a pretty kick-ass high from it. Didn't take long for people to start abusing lewds, of course, and in 1982, the US government schedule won them, along with the rest of the world, which meant there was only a finite amount of these things left. No shit, you can't even buy them anymore. You people are all shit out of luck. <laughs> what is it? Steve Madden. All right, Steve Madden. Now, this is where we get into... Man, this was a real... This was the thing that really got him on the FBI's radar. This Steve Madden thing. Uh, this was the first company they were taking public, which means, you know, obviously bringing them to Wall Street... And, you know, this was Donnie's deal, his buddy Donnie. Donnie went to high school with this guy. He was good friends with Steve Madden, so he could set up the deal. Um, and he does. He does finally set up the deal. This same party they decide to do this is also where he meets uh, his new wife, Naomi, who was the... What, did, what were they calling her? The Queen of... Uh, the Duchess. The Duchess of uh, Brooklyn? Uh, I want to say Brooklyn. Yeah, it was, the, it was Brooklyn. Something like that. Yeah. Brooklyn or the Bronx, but I, I, I bet anything was Brooklyn. I, I think it was Brooklyn, too. But, uh, you know, his, his wife right now kind of catches him talking to her. Also in this part... Uh, Jonah Hill walks downstairs and starts jerking off to Naomi in front of his wife, too. Yes. And, uh, you know, so there goes all the screaming and stuff. But uh, this is where he meets her. But Steve, Steve Madden was the first company that they were going to take public. Uh, it became, again, a really good thing for them. And a really bad thing for them, because it did get them more on the FBI's radar. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, good and bad, obviously. They made tons of money from this. 
but uh, the only thing he was thinking about before the Steve Madden thing was how to fuck Naomi because she knew he was married. But we do get to see how she did it. She basically went in the bedroom, got naked, and called him in. Uh, so you do get to see her naked, and it is fucking Very good. Very amazing. Good. Amazing. Yes. Um, he's running back and uh, in the limo. He's doing coke off of Naomi's tits. Uh, when he pulls up, though, his wife catches him, and yes. uh, he does end up, uh, this is where basically he ends up divorcing his wife three yeah. days later. <laughs> yeah, I, I did, like, I wish you could, you should pull, like, play that scene where he basically says, yeah, I felt terrible three days later. <laughs> three days later. Uh, <laughs> divorced and moved into this other chick apartment. <laughs> yeah, I'm already past it. Now, she comes in, she brings in uh, a butler. And everything else. And one day, Naomi walks back into the apartment, and the butler has a gay orgy going on. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. else to explain it. A gay orgy. And, um. And has the temerity to go, this is fucked up. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> that was, I, I will say, that was a funny scene. It was. Now, you know, she Naomi's telling uh you know, Leo what happened here and he's you know, he's freaking out a little bit, but she also tells him some money was stolen. And this is again he he's basically a gangster when you think about it. And, you know, he's trying to get his money back, this and that, and uh they end up hanging the guy from from the penthouse. Uh he does get his money back. But like he said, it wasn't even he didn't even care because he can make, you know, fifty grand in a fucking day as far as he's concerned. Uh but uh, you know, this is also where we meet his other friend Brad, who again was the guy who who did sell him the pen. Brad is played by who is that? John Berthal. Now he was he hasn't done a lot of movies, but he was in the Stallone movie uh Grudge Match. He played Stallone's son in that movie. So that's where I know him from. But uh, we also meet John Favreau here, who is a uh, FCC uh, agent, I guess you could call him. FCC agent. And uh, he kind of goes in there. And he's investigating them a little bit. Again, he, they've got some weird practices going on. And the FBI is sort of on to them. So they call up the FCC to go ahead and kind of regulate them a little bit. What Leo does, though, is while they're doing that, he bugs the conference room. And he puts those guys in there so he knows everything they know. So he's one step ahead of the FCC in every way possible. Um, you know, off scot-free, the FCC couldn't find anything on him, but, uh, one other part I wanted to play was right after that, and it's where, uh, yeah, <laughs> John Favreau walks out, the guys are fucking breakdancing because they're making so much goddamn money, and he's like, what the hell is <laughs> what the fuck's yeah. going on here? But here, here's the part where we can tell you that he bugged the office and everything. And I had it bugged, and the air conditioning turned up so high that it felt like Antarctica in there. Is it always this cold in here? 
I don't know. Then, while they were looking for a smoking gun in that room, I was going to fire off a bazooka in here, offering up our latest IPO. An IPO is an initial public offering. It's the first time a stock is offered for sale to the general population. Now, as the firm taking the company public, we set the initial sales price and sold those shares right back to our friends. The I Look, <laughs> I know you're not following what I'm saying anyway, right? That's, that's okay. That doesn't matter. The real question is this. Was all this legal? Absolutely fucking not. But we were making more money than we knew what to do with. And they were. And they were. He was dumping it in safe deposit boxes, uh, buying things. Finally, he asks Naomi to finally marry him. She does. I mean, they, but they were dumping money every fucking where. Uh, has a huge wedding, dancing, jumping around, acting like a fucking idiot. Now, there was one part of this wedding I did want to play. I'm not even sure why. But I'll find out in a second. One part of the party, not the actual wedding, but uh, one part of the party that I did want to play. And I'll get to it in just a second here. God damn, VLC needs a little more fucking easy stuff here. Here we go. Shot so he could safely consummate the marriage. filming the wedding. Few words, huh? Real your words. Son. George, remember what I told you. It involves your penis and her vagina. And you know, you know what you can do, Jordy. That's what I wanted to play. Sir Mix-a-Lot. No, his dad telling him what he told him. Ah. Uh. But yeah, I mean, they are dancing, having a fucking great time. Um... You know, but the party is being recorded. This is also where he gets to meet uh, Naomi's aunt, who does come into play a little later in the movie, and we'll definitely get to that. But, um, you know, they're, 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 he's, again, making all this money. But, uh, again, this guy cannot keep his dick in his pants. Uh, she catches him cheating. They're arguing. Uh, he explains what they're arguing, you know, all the shit that he was saying another girl's name. Um, she starts torturing him a little bit, saying, you know, this not wearing underwear around the house and you're not going to have it. He, don't worry, he gets her back because uh, he tells her that the um, the fucking camera guys are watching their security guys. And... Uh, you know, and again, the IPO does come out, um, you know, and what we didn't know, and we do find out in the movie, is that Donnie and Jordan own 85% of Steve Madden. This is highly illegal. Yeah. Highly illegal. Owning a company you're putting out as an IPO uh, and I mean, you know, on top of what they were doing before that, this is incredibly illegal. But uh, you know, they do. This is the day Steve Madden is coming in, and they do finally bring this guy in. And these fucking maniacs torture this guy when he goes up there to talk. 
And uh, this is another scene I want to play real quick because, you know, they're basically telling him, get up there and get these guys excited. And uh, this is what happens. So they push the shit out of this stock, okay? And not only that, Donnie and I secretly owned 85% of Steve Madden's shoes. There you go. Which, legally speaking, was a big no-no. But we'd get filthy fucking rich if our troops got behind it. Our job was to get them worked up. But not too worked up. Hello? If, uh... For those of you who don't know me, uh... My name's Steve Madden. Yeah, we know who you are. Your name is on the box. Show him the shoe. Okay, yeah. Anyway, you know, this, this shoe it is pretty cool. This is the Mary Lou, which is really the shoe that put me on the map. Without it, I wouldn't be here. It's a fat girl shoe. Believe it or not, believe it or not, though, the Mary Lou is actually the same as the Mary Jane, but it's black leather. <laughs> Give it up for Steve Madden and his awesome Mary Lou. Hold that up. Hold that up. All right, they're throwing shit at this guy. Uh, Jordan steps in to save him. And, you know, we've been talking about how he's sort of a motivational speaker. Listen to what he says here, and it makes tons of sense. Hold that up proud. Give him a round of applause. You guys got that out of your systems, huh? You having a good afternoon or what? I want to take a moment to tell you why Steve here is so absolutely off the fucking wall. It's because this man is a creative genius. This, this ability, this, this gift that Steve has, it goes beyond just spotting the hottest shoe trends. Steve's power is that he creates trends. You understand? Artists like Steve come along once every decade. I'm talking Giorgio Armani, Gianni Versace, Coco Chanel, Yves Saint Laurent. Steve, come up here for a second. I don't think you all realize that Steve Madden is the hottest person in the women's shoe industry with orders going through the roof at every department store in North America right now. We have him here at our office. We should thank our fucking lucky stars this man is here. We should be on our hands and knees right now, getting ready to suck this guy off. All right? Like this, okay? I want to suck you off, Steve. Everyone's going to suck you off. This is our golden ticket to the fucking chocolate factory right here. And I want to meet Willy fucking Wonka, okay? I want to be with the fucking Oompa Loompas like this. All right, get off this fucking stage. Get out of here. All right, I want all you to focus for a second. See those little black boxes? They're called telephones. I'm going to let you on a little secret about these telephones. They're not going to dial themselves, okay? Without you, they're just worthless hunks of plastic, like a loaded M16 without a trained Marine to pull the trigger. And in the case of the telephone, it's up to each and every one of you my highly trained Stratonites, my killers, my killers who will not take no for an answer, my fucking warriors who will not hang up the phone until their client either buys or fucking dies! All right, a lot of yelling and screaming from here, but, uh... I mean, there you go. Just he pumps these fucking guys up to sell. 
Here's the rest of it. There is no nobility in poverty. I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every fucking time. Because at least as a rich man, when I have to face my problems, I show up in the back of a limo wearing a $2,000 suit and a $40,000 gold fucking watch. He throws the watch. thinks I'm superficial or materialistic, go get a job at fucking McDonald's because that's where you fucking belong. But before you depart this room full of winners, I want you to take a good look at the person next to you. Go on. Because sometime in the not-so-distant future, you're going to be pulling up to a red light and you beat up old fucking Pinot, and that person's going to be pulling up right alongside you in that brand-new Porsche that beautiful wife by their side who's got big voluptuous tits. <laughs> and who are you going to be sitting next to? Some disgusting wildebeest with three days of razor stubble and a sleeveless muumu crammed in next to you in a car load full of groceries from the fucking price club. That's who you're going to be sitting next to. So you listen to me and you listen well. Are you behind on your credit card bills? Good. Pick up the phone and start dialing. Is your landlord ready to evict you? Good. Pick up the phone and start dialing. Does your girlfriend think you're a fucking worthless loser? Good. Pick up the phone and start dialing. I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich. All you have to do today is pick up that phone and speak the words that I have taught you. And I will make you richer than the most powerful CEO in the United States of fucking America. you to ram Steve Madden's stock down your clients' throats till they fucking choke on it. Till they choke on it and they buy a hundred thousand shares. That's what I want you to do. You be ferocious. You be relentless. You be telephone fucking terrorist. Now let's knock this motherfucker out of the park. There you go. Could you motivate a fucking room of animals more than that? Hell no. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, this fucking guy. And th th that's what these are. This was a room of fucking animals, these guys. Again, this was the 80s, man. Wall Street was nothing like it was now. But uh, again, you know... They're making so much money, the FBI just keeps hammering and hammering and hammering. They've got timelines. They've got more on him than he even has a clue. Yeah, and plus the backtrack, you know, he broke one of the cardinal rules. Mm -hmm. What was one of the cardinal rules from Goodfellas after the little times of heist? You know, people that normally, they was like nine to five working schlubs. All of a sudden, wife got fur coats. They riding up in pink. They pulling up in pink Cadillacs. Yep. <laughs> this guy, he's taking people, you know, he took them on that uh, trip to Vegas. I think he said he spent like two, three million bucks. Two the million. The was watching all of that. Well, that was his bachelor party. Two yeah. million dollar bachelor party. Hooker's coming. Well, and he had, you know, he had hookers on the plane. Yep. Hookers beat him at the airport. I mean. 
Yeah, this wasn't like snakes on a plane. It was hookers on a plane. Yeah. Uh, one more quick scene I'll play here. Million belonged to me, held in phony accounts by my rat holes. Now, once the price hit the high teens, you know what? Who gives a shit? As always, the point is this: twenty-two million dollars in three fucking hours. <laughs> this Steve Madden IPO. These two guys made twenty-two million in three hours. Three hours. And this is 22 million in the 80s, which is like 40 million a day. It's like 40 million right now. Um, (coughs) Now, this is where he gets a call that the FBI has subpoenaed the wedding tapes of uh, Jordan's wedding because, you know, that'll basically give them a lot of information. They'll know who he knows. And uh, he goes to see his attorney right now. He's talking to his attorney. And his attorney's just like, look, stay away. Let me handle it. He doesn't. Um, He thinks he can handle it himself. He tries to talk to the FBI. Wasn't the best idea. He sort of tries to bribe them. Um, I'm not going to play that whole scene. It's a really long scene. But uh, sort of tries to bribe them, telling them the story of... How he helps people, and uh, this guy doesn't fall for it. Not one fucking bit. Um, Basically, it pisses him off more. It probably makes him go after him because, you know, Leo starts calling him cocksuckers. He's literally throwing money at him. He's making it rain (laughs) when they're walking off his boat. Uh, Just all kinds of crazy shit, man. But... uh, then we get into the scene where he's going over to Switzerland. He realizes he has to hide his money. So he goes over to Switzerland to do it. Uh, gets into a little bit of plane, a little bit of a trouble on the plane, right, Anthony? Yes. Yeah. Well, that was kind of like, yeah. Well. That was, that, that was kind of weird. E- even by 80s standards, where it, like, it was like the Wild Wild West. In the entertainment business and business in general, even by eighty standards, would you say that was a little insane? It was a little crazy, but again, dude, eighties flying was nothing like flying now. You fly now, you need to be the perfect person. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even oh. back even back then, causing problems at the airport is is a no is no good. It won't end well for you. Yeah, and I mean, oh, at a fucking airport. Yeah, and you know these guys were on private planes, obviously, and you know they 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 weren't flying coach or anything. They they had their own plane, but uh, again, he he goes over to Switzerland to uh, try moving his money around, and uh, this is a friend of what's the guy's name? Uh, Bart. That's that guy's name, but who's he the friend of? Is that is that the guy's name? The friend? Yeah, Bart. Bart. Okay. Oh, I'll go with that. And, um, you know, he's a friend of one of the guys that he's working with. Uh, this guy in Switzerland. And uh, they're going through, going through, going through. He starts, you know, there, there's a custom, obviously. Ah, fuck it. What the hell? 
not that important. You'll understand when you're in the fucking uh, okay. You need a bigger couch for yeah, guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> curious about your bank secrecy laws here. Uh, wait. Yes. Excusez-moi, Jordan. Swiss custom requires 10 minutes of blah, uh, blah, blah. Chit-chat. Yeah, chit-chat, thank you, before business can be discussed. Yeah. Of course. Let's get down to it. What would you like to know? Under what circumstances would you be obligated to cooperate with an FBI or a, or a U.S. Justice Department investigation, for example? Tout dépend. So ah, this is where he starts, uh, you know, asking questions. What could you do? What do I need to do? What are your secrecy laws? What do you have to, if the FBI were to come to you, what do I do? Um, this, basically he's saying, if the account is in your name, then he has to cooperate. But if it's in, say, a relative's name, he could yep. do it. Um, so who does he use? Again, I said this person would come back into play. He uses Naomi's aunt. Ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he somehow convinces her to, uh, basically invest. Not invest, but basically all she has to do is start an account and give him, he'll give her the money. She puts it in. And that's how it works. Uh, starts an account in her name, and that's it. Uh, he tells her a lot here. A lot of things he shouldn't tell her. That uh, he's, you know, addicted to drugs, addicted to sex, and she thinks he's hitting on him. He thinks he's hitting on her. He, It's a weird scene. He kisses her, and she's like, hey, we're family. Stop it. But uh, she does open up the account for him. Um, now, the only thing they have to do is figure out how to get the money over there. That's the first thing they need to do. So they start figuring out how to get the money over there. One scene where they actually tape money all over. <coughs> Excuse me. Awesome. <coughs> Another one. Damn. Couldn't catch Mixer for that one. Sorry, guys. God bless you. You all right? Yeah. Came out of nowhere. Fucking like a goddamn Randy Orton RKO. <laughs> out of nowhere. Uh, but, they, yeah, they're trying to figure out how to get the money over there. At one point, they do tape money all over Brad's wife. Brad, again, was the uh, the friend that didn't get involved in the um, in the sales scheme of everything. Uh his wife, though, happens to be Swiss, born in Switzerland and has a passport and has family that can get over to Switzerland. So they start uh, basically sending money over with her and her family. She's also getting a little friendly with Mr. Swiss Banker over there, which will come into play a little bit later also. Um... But this is also a little scene where Brad and Donnie get into a little argument. Over Donnie's sort of bossing him around a little bit. Brad knocks him out. Now, I know this may not seem like anything I need to talk about, but 
I do because in a little while, again, they start talking about how uh, the argument was over Donnie saying he had a couple million dollars that he needed to give to Brad to go over to Switzerland. Uh, meanwhile, while he's working that out, uh, Leo uh, Jordan has brought over damn near $20 million over to Switzerland right now. Uh, but there you go. Now, we get to the scene again. The reason I mentioned the stupid argument between um, Brad and Donnie is because they do... Part later. They do finally go meet, but where they meet is in a parking parking lot. And... Fuck it, I'll play it. Maybe I can stop it. Up Put the fucking car in park, you I dumb fucking idiot. Close. Uh, can't close the briefcase. One fucking day, one fucking day, you couldn't keep it together. I was fucked up, right? Fuck, fucked kidding. up. It's a joke. It's a joke. I'm sober. <laughs> Fucking joke. Fucking stupid, stupid. Fucking driving you like a fucking maniac. You know the attention that that fucking draws. I'm not stupid. I'm smart. smart. I make million dollar deals with smart, important people, unlike you. People who don't sucker punch people when they're scared, okay? I'm scared. And by the way, I haven't gotten an apology yet for that. I check my fucking messages every day when Did I come you? home from work. My answering machine, one, huh? zero. I got a blinking light because I don't have shit from you. Yeah, right. you, know, you got I got my wife. Mouth. I got my yeah. wife checking the messages every 45 minutes, calling the office and saying, has Brad apologized yet? Is there an apology message yeah, on the machine? Apology. I don't you know have what? jack shit. You know what? That's not how you treat yeah, people. I, you got a big fucking mouth. You know, I'm going to give you a fucking pass. Just give me the case. Oh, you're going to give me a pass. Look, it's a figure of fucking speech. Oh, my Just gosh. The, the emperor of Foxville came down from Foxville to give me a pass. Hey, what are the citizens of Foxville doing today when the emperor's gone? Is it is it mayhem? Are people looting and raping? What are all the little fuckheads doing while you're here? Now, real quick, they're arguing in this scene. Now, while they're arguing, there's a police uh, uh, car driving like by. Like a squad car that kind of pulls up. Yeah, an RMP driving by and... They're looking, but they don't see anything. Really, they can't do anything. This is just two guys talking to each other right now. But uh, here we go. The fuck up a fucking scene that I've ever caused in my life. If you come at me again, just fuck. You know what? I got. I don't want to be out of line or anything, but I, I think you like like me, like you. Like when you come at what me, the you look at me. I know. What I just, the fuck? I, I just noticed. I, okay. You have like a fucking like. Like a twinkle. You have like a twinkle. Did you try and kiss me, bro? Jesus. Oh, did you try and kiss me? I have like a, I don't know. I just, it's not a homophobic thing. You're just not the one for me, pal. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not about that for me, you know? You understand? Please. Benny, give me the fucking case. Okay? I'm going to give you the case. Give me the case. You got to do me one favor. What's that? You got to take this case. You got to drive straight home. I need you to open up the briefcase. I need you to take out every single dollar. Don't leave one dollar inside the briefcase. And once you have it all neatly organized outside of the briefcase, I need you to take it. And I need you to shove it right up your wife's Latvian cunt. You understand? Oh, my fucking wife. Fuck, chill. Oh, chill, Motherfucking bro. piece of shit. How about now? Go, go, go. 
cops do see them because when they when they do argue, um, basically Brad grabs the briefcase, it falls, it opens, the cops see the money, so they run, um, run to him. Brad does get arrested. Now Donnie Jonah Hill is nervous as fuck because he knows something's going wrong. So somehow he gets his hands on these like super duper quaaludes. Like crazy super quaaludes. They're called Lemon 714s. Um and you know he's like, "Dude, we got to do these." And uh you know, they look at him and it it is a part where Leonardo DiCaprio is cleaning his system to get the real high. He's making himself throw up. He's doing enemas. Holy fuck, is it thundering and lightning here? Um, sorry, the lightning just lit up my fucking drapes. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> but then I heard the thunder. Now I know what it is. And, um, you know, so they basically... They're going to do these lemon 714s. Uh, so, you know, they start doing them, and they don't feel them. They don't feel them. They don't feel them. So they keep taking them. They keep taking them. And again, remember, Brad did get busted. And uh, he get, um, Leo Jordan gets a call from his attorney uh, while they're, you know, on these drugs. They still haven't kicked in yet. And they think they're duds. So, you know, he runs to the nearest payphone because his lawyer says, don't talk on the phone in your house. Get the fuck out and call me. So DiCaprio goes to a payphone down the street from his house. And uh, I'll tell you, give me a minute here, and I'll tell you exactly what they say. Hold on. Here we go. It was a real wasp stronghold, just a mile down the road from my house. Hey, Bo, what's up? It's me. What's going on? I'm at a payphone. What's going on? Listen to me carefully. Please. Your little friend there, Brad, your little buddy, he's in jail. What the fuck's he in jail for? What'd he do? I don't know what he did. My friends in Long Island told me he got picked up in some fucking shopping mall. He got locked up by... Wait, wait, did you, did, wait, wait did you say a shopping mall? Yeah. yeah. He, he was with Donnie. He was supposed to deliver some money to that fucking fat listen piece of shit. To I'm gonna go fucking talk to him right now. Listen to me. Don't go. Listen to me. That guy Denham, that FBI agent guy, somebody told me he's got your phones tapped, your office and your home. Don't talk on the motherfucking phone. Okay. Fuck. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Jordan. You, you didn't try to bribe this fucking FBI agent, did you? No, why didn't you try to bribe an FBI agent? You think I'm that fucking stupid? No. What the fuck are you saying? I can't understand. Say that again. I said more, I want to scare him with the FBI agent. What the fuck are you saying? I said... Are you fucking high? I can't more, I want to take more FBI. Jordan, are you fucking high? Jordan, do me a favor, stay where you are. There you go. Finally, 90 minutes later, the drugs kicked in and they laid him out. Uh, according to Leo in this part, he went straight to the cerebral palsy phase. He's literally flopping around like a fish. He can't move his body. 
he's so fucked up. Uh, doing everything he can to get back to the phone, decides best place for him to go is his car. Uh, gets in the car, it shows him driving home slowly. Um, once he, yeah, and he says, Oh, can't believe I got home. Not a scratch on me or the car. And, uh, you know, gets home. There's some problems with Donnie. Donnie's yelling. They're screaming. Donnie's on the phone. Hi, as fuck as well. You know what? Maybe we should play the part where Donnie's on the phone. Jesus fucking Christ. Take. What's wrong with you? It's fucking good, right? Fucked up. Your daughter's in the house. I hope you know that. Your fucking daughter's in the house. Get to a fucking funny style. He's doing everything he can to get Donnie off his phone because Donnie is talking to the uh, Swiss banker. He Again, he just heard the the phones in his house were bugged. He's trying to get Donnie off the phone. He's fucked up. Donnie is fucked up. Luckily, Donnie is slurring his words. Can't understand a word he's saying. Uh, they start screaming and yelling and arguing. Donnie uh, starts choking. And Leonardo DiCaprio is watching an episode of Popeye and sees Donnie choking. <laughs> and as he's watching Popeye eat his spinach, he rips a vial of cocaine out of his cabinet, takes it, I mean, just dumps it in his fucking nose and becomes Superman. <laughs> Uh, he does jump on top of Donnie and ends up saving him. He gets a big piece of ham shoved in his eyes or uh, spit in his eyes from it. Yeah, because uh, Donnie was so fucking, I guess, scared at yeah. this moment that he just he wanted to kill himself by ham. By ham, I guess he wanted to die the uh, the uh, Mama Cass death. But um, you know, he does save him. He does finally pass out, wakes up in the morning, and the police are at his door. He thought he drove home safely. Turns out he didn't. Um, not at all, actually. And, uh, you know, pretty bad for him. Looks like he, you know, he actually ended up crashing into pretty much everything on the way. Uh, just a you know, I I'm not sure, but I think the one picture they show of that car is real. Just the the fucked up white Lamborghini. Um, they also show Brad here. Brad did three years, never said a goddamn word, wouldn't talk, never said a word. But um, you know, so that that was good for him, and uh, with everything else, he had a chance to sign a deal, and I'm gonna play the you know details of the deal real quick and jordan you're lucky to be alive let alone not in jail i don't believe in luck right but it's time please let me call the sec and cut a deal before your luck runs out wave to daddy hey hey sweetie <laughs> you, 
What kind of terms would you be talking about if I, uh... I don't know, you know, you plead guilty to a handful of securities violations, stock manipulation, high-pressure sales tactics, ticky-tack shit like that, you know? Pay a couple million dollars in fines, and in exchange the SEC fucks off till the end of time. Stratton? What happened to Stratton? I mean, Stratton, there's no way, I mean, you gotta walk away, right? Let Donnie be in charge. Right, Donnie. Now, the FBI is another animal completely. They'll still be pursuing you for criminal wrongdoing. However, with you stepping down voluntarily, my guess is that your best friend, Agent Denham, will be standing around with his dick in his hand. Jordan, what, 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 what do you have to think about? You, you, you beat them. All right. So he's got an out here. His uh, lawyer thinks he should take it. His father thinks he should take it. Uh, he's got an out. You know, that's all he has to do is step down. And he'd be done, out. Um, do I play this whole fucking scene? Hey, why not? We played enough of the movie, and we're at the end. Damn near. Yeah, I mean, we're we we got. It says forty eight, but I know there's like ten minutes of credits, so you know we're 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 damn near done. But this this is a very powerful scene. Um, I will pause in between it because we'll 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 talk about some of the parts of it that are key. But uh, here we go. He's uh, walking out to step down as uh, president. Actually, walk away from the company completely. So here we go. You know. Five years ago, when I started Stratton Oakmont with Donny Azoff, I, I knew the day would eventually come where I'd have to be moving on. And it's truly with a heavy heart that I'm, I'm here to say that, that 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 day is finally here. I want to I want to thank you all for your, your years of loyalty and, and admiration. But uh, the point is this. Under Donnie's leadership, along with Nikki Koskoff and, and Robbie Feinberg, moving into key management positions, this place really is it, its going to be better than ever. That I promise you, okay? This is Ellis Island here, people. I don't care who you are, where you're from, whether your relatives came over on a, on a fucking Mayflower or an inner tube from Haiti. Gangs of New York reference, Anthony? Yeah. Absolutely. 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 I I was I caught it too, man. I caught it. So we've had a Goodfellas and a Gangs of New York reference. This yes. fucking Scorsese guy, I'll tell you. Little Easter eggs, man. Little fucking Easter eggs. Here you go. This right here is the land of opportunity. Stratton Oakmont is America. <laughs> All of you know Kimmy Belzer, right? Yes, we do. Fuck you. <laughs> Come on, Kimmy. What you probably didn't know is Kimmy was one of the first brokers here, one of Stratton's original 20. Now, most of you met Kimmy, the beautiful, sophisticated woman that she is today, a woman that wears $3,000 Armani suits, <laughs> drives a brand-new Mercedes-Benz, a woman who, who spends her... Her winter's in the Bahamas and her summer's in the Hamptons. 
That's not the Kimmy that I met. The Kimmy that I met didn't have two nickels to rub together. She was a single mom on the balls of her ass with an eight-year-old son. Okay, she was three months behind on her rent. And when she came to me and asked me for a job, she asked for a $5,000 advance just, just so she could pay his son's tuition. What'd I do, Kimmy? Go on, tell me. You wrote me a check for $25,000. Now, this is a, a, a part in the movie that, you know, as much of a scumbags <clears throat> as you can call these guys, uh, they have hearts. They do. They have the money to help people when they can. And they do. Obviously. You know, this is a good part in the movie. Something good he did. Obviously, they wanted to bring light to something something good in a movie where they're doing so much illegal stuff. So, all right, there we go. And you know why that is? It's because I believed in you. It's because I believed in you, Kimmy. Just like I believe in each and every one of you here today. I fucking love you, Jordan. I fucking love I you. I fucking love you. I love you. I fucking love you, too. I fucking love you, too. And I love all of you. And I love all of you from the bottom of my heart. I mean that. For years, I've been telling you guys never to take no for an answer, right? You know, to, to keep pushing, to never hang up the phone until you get what you want. Because you all deserve it. You know, this fucking deal that I'm about to sign, barring me from the securities industry, barring me from Stratton, my home. <laughs> the fuck is that? You know, I'll tell you what it is. It's 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 me taking no for an answer. You know, it's them, it's them selling me, not the other way around. It's it's me being a hypocrite, is what it is. Mm. So. You know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving! Fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here. <laughs> They're gonna need to send in the National Guard or fucking SWAT team, cause I ain't going nowhere.
He's got them all beating their chests and chanting. Uh, again, we did say that Matthew McConaughey scene would come into play, and right here it does. He's got the whole fucking office chanting and dancing, beating their chest. His dad is freaking out. He had an out, and he decided, fuck him. Fuck him. Let him come get me. Uh, again, you know, he said you know, the Matthew McConaughey scene comes into play again. He's addicted to the money. He just yeah. is addicted. Uh, yeah. Right after this, you know, they get a call. The FBI gets a call. He's back in play. Do your thing. And uh, they do. They do. Uh, they start sending subpoena after subpoena to these off to these guys' offices. Uh, they're having parties. Brad's finally out of jail, but um, he does tell a story here that Brad did actually die two years after this whole thing. Um, so you know they did lose he's him. He went out a happy man apparently because he was on a boat. Yeah, it's again more hookers. So he went out a happy man. Yes, uh, Jonah Hill gets a subpoena and pisses on it. <laughs> in front of the whole office on the desk. Um, but the part where they're questioning everybody is absolutely great. It's the same answer the whole time. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of this. Here we go. Belfort. Alden. That's a nice name. Thank you very much for that. What kind of name is that? That is my name. I do not recall that. I, I do not recall that, okay? Mr. Min, uh, thank you for coming in today. You to finish the rest of that Danish? They interrogated everybody. And a low blood sugar thyroid thing. It went on for months. It was a total fucking harassment. But not a single Stratonite cracked. Gladys Carrera? Now, real quick. You hear what he's saying, Stratonite? Yeah. These people were so loyal to him. Now, you just heard what he said. Not one of them cracked. Not fucking one of them. That's how loyal these people were. They were willing to do time for him. Yeah. They were. Which really makes the ending of this movie suck worse. But here we go. Doesn't ring a bell. Sorry, I have no recommendation of that. No. Jack no. Stats. No idea. I don't recall that transaction. Do you guys have any milk? Absolutely not. Francis Ortiz, you called so many times, I just thought you I might remember that. Okay. Would you no. re remember any of those? I do not recall any of that. This Abdul I do not Hakiki? No, I don't recall. I do, I do not recall. It was a long phone call. Just wondered if you have any memory of that. Okay. You know, we've talked to several of the employees at this firm, and nobody can recall anything about the Steve Madden IPO. It's... I think it's odd. Do you recall Carter's Corporation? Mmm... You do, you do recall it? No, I don't recall that at all. <laughs> Excuse me, I have to ask, is, is that your real hair? Are you going to say anything about that? Are you going to comment on my hair? Is that how we're doing? Is this personal questions? I was wondering why you would wear something like that. I don't recall. I don't recall. I don't recall. Um, so finally, they weren't supposed to leave the country, but uh, I guess you could say... Donnie and um, Jordan ran to Italy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They took uh, they took the Naomi, which is the boat, the hundred and seven foot yacht 
that uh, he owns, and they took the boat and went to Italy on it. Um, you know, that shows them there. They're, you know, getting there, you know, doing coke. And he's running the office from Italy. Uh Gets a little bit of bad news this same day when on this scene. First bad news he gets is Steve Madden, even though Donnie and Jordan own 85% of the stock, the stock was still in Steve Madden's name. Steve Madden starts selling giant chunks of his stock uh, after hearing about this whole FBI investigation, which would really put the stockholders in the toilet, uh, obviously the main stockholders being Donnie and Jordan. Uh, on top of that information, the Naomi's aunt had died. Uh, aunt Edna? What was uh, it? Yeah, Edna. Was it Edna? Yeah, I believe so. That's the same name of the aunt in uh, Vacation. Wow. The original vacation movie. Just a thought. I mean, this is a true oh, story. Sorry, uh, it was uh, Aunt Emma. Emma. There we go. I knew it wasn't Edna. I was thinking of vacation, I guess. But, uh, you know, they first of all, he's having to deal with the Steve Madden thing. They're trying to dump the stock so they get out of it, too, at a, a decent deal and not uh, lose as much as they would. And, um, like I said, now they find out that Aunt Emma is dead this was the aunt that had the account in Switzerland. Uh, now, he does find out that he can get his account fixed. Um, with, even with Emma dead, he just needs to get to Switzerland the next day. Uh, they decide to take the boat, and they run into a huge storm. They actually have to be lifted. Um, the Coast Guard actually ends up having to come and get them and saving them, taking them off the boat. Not only does the Coast Guard come and get them, but as they're being, you know, boated to safety, there was an airplane coming to get them that actually crashed. Now, again, this was a true part in the movie. This was a true part. He did watch that plane crash while looking out the fucking window. Um, the plane that was coming to save them. And he took it as an omen, is what he did. He started doing infomercials, trying to go legit. But what happened was his friend, the, uh, the hairpiece guy, had gotten busted in Miami with the guy the banker from Switzerland. Well, guess what? If you get busted in the United States, not much of those Swiss laws start applying at that point. So he's in real hot water, Jordan Belfort, at this point. I mean serious hot water. They've got him on, again, tons more than they think, uh, than, than he thinks they do. They've really never come to the uh, to really tell him exactly what they got. They come and take him. Um, they find out that uh, the guy that uh, th they had him on things that they shouldn't have got him for at all. Uh, the Swiss bank guy had drug dealings with the owner of Benny Hanna. 
Kind of weird to think that place is still in business, huh? I mean, Benihana is still in business after all these drug allegations and everything. But they're still rolling. Um, pretty crazy, though, huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that well, was... Especially you figure, like, now, in the 2017 world, like, they would have got... They, that's something they would have been closed down. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but the, uh, again, the guy from the Swiss bank did talk and that's what basically got him out of jail. Also, he was banging Brad's wife every time she was going to bring him money. Again, you get to see her naked. If you, uh, really wanted to, you do get to see her naked at the end of the movie. But, um, you know, it does go to a part, um, where, you know, he's finally taken in. Uh, Jordan, he's got an ankle bracelet. He even goes to rehab. So, you know, he's sober now, trying to get his life back together, but FBI ends up getting so much on him, uh, and they basically tell him the case is fucking airtight. Uh, he decides he's going to wear a wire, but while that's happening, he's, uh, he also, his wife tells him she wants a divorce at this point. They get into a big fucking argument. She says she's got that, uh, she's taking the kids. He grabs the kid, goes in the car, crashes the car, rams through the garage and everything. But um, he does decide to wear a wire. And actually wear a wire against all of his friends Obviously not feeling good about doing this, um, but he knows how bad of shape he's in, so he decides to do it. Um, here, I'll go ahead and get to this little, little part here. I'm probably a little past where I need to be. Let's see. The stock tip. Yeah, here, let me go a little further back here. Right here. All right, he signs the paper to do the wire. That'd be good. And, uh... Thank you. It wasn't even a choice. For the next six hours, I came up with a list. Friends, enemies, business associates, anybody who'd ever known me or taken so much as a stock tip. First name on the list was Donnie. <laughs> George, do you know how good it is to have you back in this office? It's not the same when you're gone. It's sad, you understand? It's like I fucking Steve Madden, huh? I can't. I swear to God, I can't even think about it, you know? Every time I think about him, my, my blood boils. I can't even say his name. Well, you know, it's like disgusting. I, I grew up with this guy. He betrays no. me like that. Ugh. Do you ever, ever get back to you about that, um... About that, uh, that account? Now, Wally's got Donnie in the restaurant. Um, he hands him a note on the table. The note says, Don't incriminate yourself. I'm wearing a wire. This is one of the things that, according to the book by Jordan, is untrue. He did not do this to him. 
it was another friend, Dave, <laughs> that he did this to. Exactly. So, you know, that's one of the things in the movie that's a little bit different. But he did do this, so, you know, they just took liberties on who. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a lie, but, uh, you know... Well, it, everything's an embellishment, but uh, right. the one thing I will say about Squirrel, he always tries to stick to the the context of the book. Like, for example, with uh, Wise Guy, which was uh, Goodfellas, mm-hmm. Joe Pesci's character, in real life, well, he did take liberties with Joe Pesci's character, because in real life, the guy was like six foot... It's like six foot two, six foot three. Right. He was like a giant of a man, apparently. Mm. But in terms of like his rage, in, in other words, a lot of people said like um that knew him personally mm-hmm. said like yeah, he was <laughs> Joe Pesci was crazy in the movie, but no, <laughs> they said they didn't even uh, scratch the surface. Yeah, exactly. But um, you know, and again, right after he shows him the note, I'll play a little more of this. Remember, it was like four or five mil, something like that, right? We were supposed to kick back four or five mil, was it? You know, I was, I was fucked up, Jordan. You know, so I don't, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, right. <laughs> Stupid. No, well, you know, if he calls you, you make sure and contact me, okay? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, no. Of course. There you go. That last piece of yellow tail, bud. Obviously, he That's caught it. He's uh, not incriminating himself at all. Um, you know, gets away with it. Puts the thing back on the note, the napkin that he took off. Um, that note would come back to bite him in the ass because uh, the FBI ended up finding that note and basically told him, you're fucking going to jail. Uh, he does get four years in jail and, um, you know, basically, you know, he goes to the scene where he says he's terrified, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, when he gets out of jail, I did mention the real Joel Belfort is in this movie. And when he gets out of jail, the announcer that is announcing him for the uh, the sales slash motivational uh, thing. The actual guy announcing him is the real Joel Belfort. Uh, and here we go. Motherfucker I have ever met. So I want you... Here, I'll go back a little bit so you can hear the beginning of that, actually. Here we go. You're going to get a little bit before it, but what the hell. Oh. Wouldn't you like to learn how to sell it? So what the knife is on bad motherfuckers in my life. Talk about rock stars, professional athletes, gangsters. I'm telling you, some real bad motherfuckers. But this guy, my good friend, Mr. Jordan Belfort, is the single baddest motherfucker I have ever met. So I want you right now to give a warm Auckland, New Zealand welcome for my good friend and the world's greatest sales trainer, Mr. Jordan Belfort. All right, and again, the guy announcing him is the real Jordan Belfort. So, wow, nice yeah. little bit of continuity there. Yeah, yeah, so they did give him a little cameo. Um, and basically, he starts off this scene, or ends this movie with 
right where he started his business. Sell me this pen. And, uh, you know, it's just a bunch of guys wanting to learn how to sell stuff, begging to, you know, figure it out. And he goes to a few guys and just basically, you know, sell me this pen. And uh, that's it. And he is actually still today a motivational speaker. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of trivia. I'm not going to go through a ton of it, but uh, I'll go through a few things. The one thing I do want to mention, the Matthew McConaughey scene that we played all of, um, that scene was shot the second week of filming. The chest beating and humming that he did was all improv Actually, it's a warm-up that he does before he starts acting. When Leonardo DiCaprio saw it while filming, the brief shot of him looking away, confused and uneasy was actually Leo looking at Scorsese like, do I roll with this? Scorsese obviously shakes his head yes, and um, he said, you need to include that in the movie. It'll really set the t- it, it sets the tone for the rest of the film. So they not only included it, but added it to the ending, too. And it fits, too. I mean, it's a little weird, a little wonky, but it actually works. It fit the character that he was playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the actors during all the cocaine scenes were snorting vitamin B. Um, oh, 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 I was hoping it was real cocaine. <laughs> no, Jonah Hill actually ended up getting bronchitis from inhaling so much of it. And I uh, had to be <laughs> hospital hospitalized. Speaking of Jonah Hill, he wanted to work with Martin Scorsese so bad, he took a pay cut and was paid the SAG, you know, this uh, Screen, Screen Actors, Actors Guild, Guild yeah. minimum $60,000 for this movie. That's hey, it. Hey, fuck it. It's a, it's a nice thing to have on your resume that you work with Martin Scorsese. Yeah. It was only one time. <laughs> um, grossing $392 million worldwide, this is Martin Scorsese's highest grossing film of his career. Wow. Yeah. Pretty fucking good, huh, man? Three hundred ninety-two. Yeah, off a, off a hundred million dollar budget. That's mm. not bad at all. No, not at all. Uh, the majority of this film was actually improvised. Martin Scorsese says he always encourages improvisa- improvisation, and uh, most of this film was actually done. So, um, the scene where. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and um, Margot Robbie, uh, where she comes out naked. Um, Martin Scorsese actually offered to dial that part back and let her wear a robe instead. She said no. She wanted good egg. Good, good egg she right insisted there. on doing it fully nude. This was the first nude scene of her career. Uh, according to her, the the whole point of Naomi is that her body is her only form of currency in this world, and she has to be naked. So, good for her. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I support her decision, and I still respect her as a woman. <laughs> mm, mm. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Martin Scorsese confirms some of the editing is odd. That's that's on purpose, uh, especially the scenes where one or more characters are high. Every time is Jordan is seen taking drugs, the scene that follows uh have continuity issues and uh, often flow oddly he was doing that obviously purposely um during the kissing scene between leonardo dicaprio and uh joanna uh lumley who played um jesus who the fuck did she play in this movie god damn it yeah, go back. Uh, yeah, you, you look real quick. Uh, DiCaprio was so nervous, the scene required a reported 27 takes to get it right. Um, oh. Get it. What? What? No, I'm listening to you. I'm like, wow. Yeah. 27 takes? 27 fucking takes, man. That's a lot of fucking takes. Uh, he's been doing this a while I'm like I'm surprised he got nervous yeah you are a little shocked at it though um, uh, by the way Lumley was uh, Aunt Emma oh yeah that's the scene where they're like is he hitting on me <laughs> so there you go that was Aunt Emma the word fuck and it's uh, conjugations more than 568 times is said more wow. than 569, 569 times. I'm looking at that wrong. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, there's a few more. This movie was actually banned in five countries due to the high sexual content. I didn't think it was that sexual of a movie. Uh, it was more nudity than anything else, and I'm like, come on. Uh, the, ones, the one sex scene, like, admittedly, was 11 seconds, which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and you saw nothing really. True, um, the real Jordan Belfort supported the film's depiction of uh, excess as true to life, uh, though he did point out the film leaves the impression that Stratton Oakmont never did any serious work. Obviously, you know he's claiming they did. Belfort argued that they they could have not gotten away with their corrupt practices for so long unless they did deliver on some legit business. Like I said, you got to let a few of them, a few people make money in order to, uh, to really make money yourself. Um, in one of the Belfort speeches, he says there is no nobility in poverty. That is actually an exact quote from the Charlie Sheen Wall Street movie, 1987. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and actually, the one party they show in the Hamptons, there is actual footage shown in the movie. Um, you can actually find it on YouTube. You can actually find a lot. Right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you can actually find a lot of this on YouTube with him, so, you know, not bad, but, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's little dance scene at the um, at the uh, at his wedding was done on the spot, all improv. Uh, it was just moves that he had learned and done and just started doing. So I, there's 
like I said, there's a bunch more, but this starts getting into the, uh, you know, stuff, kind of repetitive stuff. So I'm not even going to go through any more of it, to be honest. We're uh, actually coming up on a long show here. So uh, I don't know, man. All I know is for the first time seeing this movie, I was blown away. Great fucking movie. I recommend it a hundred times over. Absolutely. Yeah, for some reason, I, I had a feeling you would like it. You never could never tell with some of these things, but mm-hmm. I said, yeah. If he watched this movie, I think he's going to like it. Yeah, yeah, and I really did. I thought it was really, I mean, well, I mean, what can I say? It was a Scorsese movie. I mean, yeah. I, his movies are so well done. I like them. I like them so much. So, to me, yeah, this was definitely a movie to watch. No wonder it made $369 million or whatever it was. It was definitely a great fucking movie. And, you know, like I said, they, uh, you know, according to that article, they stayed pretty true. Um, you know, some of the characters didn't fit great. And really the main thing was the note on the table wasn't left for Donnie. It was left for David. But uh, that's it. That was really the only thing that they bitched about in the movie yeah you know and uh obviously you know like we said before the fact that uh the real bell you know belfort said they did more legit business than than let on in the movie but you know like i said you can't the, the, you, you've gotta have some some people making money and how they choose who does and who doesn't i don't know i guess it's uh you know, some people just decide to take their money and run, and there's nothing you can do. So, but damn, what a fucking movie! I'm glad uh, this wasn't any of them that I had picked, but uh, I'm fucking definitely glad I got to watch it, man. Yeah, and I, I don't know, was it kind of weird? I mean, because like obviously, you know, Scorsese is an old school guy, and some of the musical selections in this movie were like kind of like kind of threw me off. Because you used to hear like the old school 50s and 60s, like Italian type music. To hear a Sir Mix-a-Lot song and a Naughty by Nature song in a Scorsese movie <laughs> was kind of like a mindfuck for me. I don't know if it caught you off guard, but... No, he was sticking with the times, dude. He was sticking with the times. If it was a fucking, you know, 60s gangster movie, it would have been 60s music. Just... Yeah, hey, hey, right, yeah, this was all like... Early, yeah, early, early to mid '80s, early '90s. Well, yeah, I mean, he was playing Sir '87, uh, '91 was when you know during the some of the parties. So '91, that's when you were hearing the Sir Mix-a-Lot and the uh, not not by nature was what year? '92, '93, '91, '92, '91, '92. So yeah, he stuck with the times, man, and uh, continuity, bro. We say it all the time. It's something that uh, we love to see in movies. You know, it's 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 what makes a movie. It, 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 continuity can really make a movie or break a movie. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, Scorsese has the wherewithal to always keep the best continuity he can with his movies, unless like this movie, it's purpose and some of the scenes are broken up weird because he wanted them to. Um, I think he was not. I think it says there. I mean, he was trying to show. You know, the drugs were kind of fucking up his timeline, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's kind yeah, of it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like you know, I'm gonna just make one my last Goodfellas reference of the night. <laughs> if you look at like the last half hour of Goodfellas, to me that's like the probably the best thirty minutes you'll ever see on film. Because Henry Hill, for the most part, mm-hmm. keeps it all together for the most for the most of the movie. Yeah, but that last half hour, forty five minutes, you know, once the drugs start to kick in. Oh, helicopters is following him. The doc, you know, doctors is trying to check him out because they think he wants something. Mm-hmm. You start to see him slowly lose control that last half hour. Yeah, it's again. I mean, there were some references in this movie to Goodfellas and you know, gangs in New York and yeah, man. I mean, it's it's the same with this movie though. I think the last, I think the beginning of this movie was way better than the the final scenes of it but who likes to see a guy on top of the world start going down you know as much as you you know you sit there and talk about how all oh, these guys are scumbags and this and that he really wasn't that bad of a guy yeah. you know i mean yeah they were robbing people and this and that and but i mean they were breaking in your house i mean you know, and again, this was the eighties, the late eighties, the early nineties. It was a different time, man. It was a different fucking time, you know. Yeah, it, it, it was just you could get away with this shit, and I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. One of my family members did these exact things. He, he was indicted. He spent time in prison. He. He was indicted by the SEC, the FBI. Oh. Yeah. He had a federal? Oh, was it like a, on a Martha Stewart type level? It was federal. Yeah. It was federal. He did federal time. He did five years federal time. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he did the, all this stuff. He was doing the exact, exact same thing. He was, you know, he had, he owned his company. He had, if I if if my if I remember correctly, he had eighty three salesmen under him, brokers. And this was in Florida, and he was doing the exact same thing, cold calling, taking people's money. And once they bought the big stocks, he was dumping the little stocks that would never make these people money. You know he. He did the once their money's in the company, you never take it out because if you never take the money out, they never know where it is. Ah. Yep. Once the money's there, it's yours. It's yours. It's, it's yours. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he got indicted for it. So I do know a little bit about this and what can happen. And, um, I mean, this is a, you know, I mean, I still talk to this family member. He's out. He's been out for a while, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something that used to happen. And, you know, I know someone who was trying to be like this guy, you know, but, uh, I will say this, this family member of mine does still have a lot of money. He still has a lot of his money. They never found it. Uh, and that's all I'm man. saying. That's all I'm going with. But, uh, yeah, I think we should probably end it on that note. What do you think, Anthony? Oh, definitely. The only thing I got is, like, who would have thought that the fucking kid from Growing Pains 
would have would have grew up into to be a hell of a come on think about it. You first saw Leona, that was his big debut to the world, Growing Pains. Mm-hmm. Who would have ever thought that kid would have turned into what he turned into? Dude, you gotta realize everyone's gotta start somewhere, man. I mean, Patrick Swayze's first ever TV role was on MASH. He was a patient on MASH. Wait you a know. minute. Patrick because I wasn't really a MASH watch. He was on MASH? Yes. Wow. Ron Howard was on Matt. You don't know how many people started on that show. You know, that was one of the, you know, that was one of those shows that at that time you could get a role and make something of it. Um, And, you know, I know I bring this show up a ton. Probably I need to stop. But NYPD Blue is one of those shows. That, you know, you see people now and you're like, holy shit. And I've said before, Night Court, another show. Cosby Show. Cosby Show. But, I mean, Night Court, the second episode had Michael J. Fox as a young, young, young Michael J. Fox. Wow, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yep. Um, Who else was on that show? If you watch Night Court, you'll be like, oh, my God. They're still acting today, you know, this and that. I mean, Lou Ferrigno, I know I'm mentioning a lot of old people, but I can't really remember. But, yeah, yes, Ron Howard was Opie. Yes, that's exactly who it is. Still directing and producing movies today. Um, So, you know, Opie gets a shitload of fucking credit from me. But, uh... His brothers in The Waterboy. Yeah. Yeah. And a bunch of other movies. His brothers in Tango and Cash. That's a movie we need to do once. Tango oh, and I'm Cash. Okay. Tango and Cash is one we need to do because that's a really fucking good movie, man. And another good movie that gets shit on, but we're going to do it one day. Hudson fucking Hawk. Oh. I, I mean, a lot of people shit on that movie. One of Bruce Will- no, Bruce Willis and Danny Aie on that movie was fucking hilarious. I would love to do that movie. Maybe we'll put up uh, a little poll of uh, shitty movies we like next week. How's that? Definitely. That's what we'll but, do. What, what a bonfire of the vanities count too. <laughs> Remember that one? I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, that's another one I get shit on a lot, rightfully so. But it. I'd put it in a so good, so bad is good category. Ah, Megs brings up kids. That's a good, that would be a crazy movie to do, man. He brought up Kubrick movies. Uh, That'd be another fucking long, dragged out show. I don't know about doing Kubrick movies. We'll do The Shining one night. Shaheen would like to join us when we do The Shining. Oh, that's that's, that's a classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shaheen has said, so I'll... We'll work it out with Shaheen, and we'll jump on a Shining one, and uh, I know B-Megs will be in the chat for that one. But, uh, yeah, man, I think we should uh, I think we should wrap it up. We're creeping up on the three-hour mark here. Yeah. And uh, on that note, thanks, Anthony, for uh, doing this with me. Great movie. Great recommend. I'm, I'm glad it won, and uh, thanks for making me watch it. Don't forget to catch me and Shaheen. Wednesday nights right here on uh, Mixer.com slash THT Podcast. You can join our Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash THT Podcast. 
And uh, you can catch Shaheen and J-Cat Morris of Yakuza Kick Radio. They'll be here Sunday, usually between 7 and 8 o'clock Eastern. And uh, you'll catch me and Anthony right here next week, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll put up some shitty movies that we like and you guys can choose. And uh, I think that's it, man. On that note, thanks again, Anthony. And uh, there you go, bro. Go home and get your fucking shine box. Eh. Peace. Yeah.